What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 132. I am your host, Anthony Trapani. As always, I am joined by a few resident, a couple resident homies tonight. We're going to be missing the professor. He's on tour. We're going to be plugging that soon. But tonight, I am joined with joined by Casey Howard and Jill Horner. What up, y'all? What is up? Well, hello. Hello. Yes, yes. And tonight, we are joined by uh, the guitarist, vocalist of the tastefully technical band, Revocation. We got David Davidson with us. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Thank you for oh, being yeah. with us, dude. We're uh, like we were just saying pre-pod. We're we're fans of uh, what you've been doing for quite some time, and Definitely. it's really cool to have you on the show, dude. So thanks for giving us your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No oh, doubt, yeah. dude. And it's a little bit later for you. That's why we're starting a little bit early for uh, all you regulars that are hanging with us every Thursday. Um, but yeah. Let's uh, get into some plugs real quick. As always, we got battleforgecoffee.com up at the top. That's our homies in Deeds of Flesh. They uh, started this company a while ago, and I love it. I love what they're doing. Um, we, we plug it with no financial gain whatsoever. I'm not a part of this company. We don't really, we get some coffee every now and then, but it's really good coffee. So when we get it, we're stoked. And like I said, it's underground death metal. We're uh, we're supporting the homies. So battleforgecoffee.com is where you guys got to get your coffee if you're down with the Cali Death Underground. Then uh, for us, we got calideathpodcast.bigcartel.com. A couple of t- couple of t-shirts for you guys. Uh, they've they've been on sale for a while, but we still got some at pretty much whatever size you are. We still got it. So. If you want to support the show, that's literally the only way you can put money in the show's pocket. Um, prices aren't crazy. They're sick designs. Go buy that shit. And uh, let's see. What else? We got a couple tours that we're plugging. I know that uh, Archaics is done. Oh, okay. So Archaics is done. So rock on for uh, another ending of a tour. You always getting to the end of a tour is always like doesn't matter what happened you just got it done so it's a success no matter yeah, what you got through it. speaking of which <laughs> the professor's not here tonight because they're starting tonight right this is the first yep. show tonight oh, yeah kansas city yep kansas city tonight yeah last of lucy the the professor is hitting the skins for those guys um but yeah it obviously if you're here, you're, you're you're not listening to this live. If you're at that show right now, but what's tomorrow? I don't even have my glasses on. What what's Friday night on that bill? Minnesota? Uh, yeah, Minneapolis. More oh, yeah. Mortimer's. Minneapolis. Okay, so June second, which most most of you people watch this on YouTube the next day. That's today. If right. you're in Minneapolis, Friday. Minnesota, uh, go, get on the internet and find where the fuck Lassa Lucy is going to be because the professor will beat your head in with those skins that i was talking about what, what is the other band discordia discordia i, I would say that yes dude right. i'm i've i've awesome. gotten to an age where my eyes can't handle metal logos anymore dude death yep, metal yep. logos specifically <laughs> they just I, I i they don't compute with my brain anymore dude <laughs> oh yeah that's uh that's happened yep the final uh headliner's been announced that's our homies in defeated sanity 
Look at that packed bill right there. Chicago Domination Fest 8. At the Chicago Domination Fest 8. Yes, we are proud sponsors of that show. We did a little giveaway, and that's already done and gone. But now you guys just get out there and support those bands because, again, underground death metal, guys. That's why we're all here. Okay. Is that it for the plugs for yes. our end? Yes. Yeah. All right, David, uh, tell everybody where they can go to find revocation information and merchandise. Uh, so I think revocationband.com is probably the easiest place to go. Uh, you know, we're on all the social media stuff like that. Can, you, can I swear in this podcast? You can, yeah, dude. Okay. You can yeah. fucking can, bro. Okay. <laughs> um, our merch is through Night Shift Merch. Uh, in the states and uh, over in Europe, uh, we're through uh, Empiricon. Okay. Yep. There you go. I guys. Play has like our records. If you want to pick up the vinyl or whatever. Yeah, I saw you guys had uh, seven inch that you guys just released, and uh, they're pretty much almost done, right? Uh, yeah, that was for my that other project I did, uh, Pallet Veil. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry, dude. I just saw that uh, on our uh, Instagram. I was thinking it was related to Revocation. So which band well, was that one? Uh, that was the thing I did during the pandemic. Um, it was me, uh, Luke LeMay from Gorguts, uh, Elliot from Carbomb. And oh, the, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah, so like, it was just like that. a one-off single, and uh, Simon from Total Dissonance Worship just kind of hit me up out of the blue and was like, yo, I want to put this out uh, and release a 7-inch, and you know, we were all about it. So uh, it's pretty crazy because it's like not like a new song. It's been out for a couple of years now, and like, yeah just been like flying but the, the the colors are like super cool and it's like very limited so that happened in the about, pandemic right yeah it was part of um frank from metal injections uh slay at home series oh that's right that's right yeah um he's he's like one of my best buds and he hit me up right when that was happening and he was like all right i want to try to do some type of charity fundraiser type of thing and um a lot of people were doing like covers and stuff and I don't know. I, I felt like I just needed to like write some original music. Um, nice, crazy. Like thinking back to then, because it seems like it was like another lifetime ago. But uh, I remember for me, I just like I needed to be like creative during that time period. And that was definitely like a great um, sort of outlet for me. And uh, yeah. I was basically just able to put together like a dream team because like no one could tour. And I was just like, all right, can I yeah. just get this group of guys together and we can just write a song? And he was like, yeah, go for it. No, I love uh, awesome. I love hearing That's those types of stories, dude, because. There's guys like you that, unfortunately, when the pandemic happened, they they lost all drive. They didn't do anything, you know, creative. They they kind of just you lost their mojo during that whole thing. I'm not I'm not pointing out anybody specifically, but with eight billion people on this planet, I guarantee that happened to so many creative people when that when the pandemic happened. You know, so when I hear the the people who channeled that into a positive outlet that they actually got something out of it I, I, yeah i just love hearing that somebody took advantage of that time you know and got some heavy hitters on that track too dude i mean that is definitely a super group so yeah i was there. uh i was very fortunate that that worked out and we were all able to come together for that now that we're talking about it, is there uh, has there been conversation to move forward with writing anything with that group? Um, not a ton. I mean, I know like Luke's obviously he's like got a lot of irons in the fire with like his you know with with, with and also he has like other 
like projects that he's always like working on in terms of like i know he does like woodworking and like like things yeah. outside of the music realm that keep him really occupied right um but uh for me it would be great to you know write some more music so we'll see it's 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 sort of uh i think everyone went into it with it being a one-off but um seeing the success of the vinyl campaign that we just did and like the feedback that we're getting from people because everyone's like oh when's like the full length coming out so um who knows maybe we'll write some more music down the line but there's nothing like set in stone right now is so just give us a real quick i know this is a revocation themed episode mainly with but really it's it's a dave davidson themed show so i just need to know before we move on because we're already in this realm how did you guys all get together was it you who was who was the driving force behind this talk about the you know the conversations to make this happen sure yeah so um yeah frank hit me up um i i think he initially approached me under the uh sort of idea that like we were just gonna do like a cover song or something like that and yeah for me i wanted to do something original and again yeah because everyone was home i was like hey like i'd love to work with luke from gorgots and um you know elliot and liam and um frank just kind of like reached out to the dudes and like put it all together um and then from there like it was pretty much like everyone was just down um to 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 write a song together um i i had the first riff of the song it wasn't it wasn't actually the the first riff in the actual song it was i think the bridge riff or whatever but that was sort of like the the first idea that the, i sent over to seed. luke and then luke yeah. kind of created like a bunch of other riffs sort of around that and then we just kind of kept trading files back and forth um you know i added like a solo in there and um you know like kind of like a little melody over one of his parts um but yeah luke wrote a bunch of stuff for that song i ended up writing um all the lyrics for the song um mm -hmm. so that kind of helped keep the ball rolling because um you know i know like writing lyrics sometimes can be like a little bit difficult but um right i don't know i was just kind of feeling it in that in that kind of bleak environment um and uh you know obviously like liam and elliot are killer players and they were just like throwing down stuff and we were just kind of sending demos back and forth um and i think the whole thing kind of like it was it's crazy when you consider like sometimes it takes bands like you know years to put something out i mean basically like frank hit me up and i think like like i don't know three or four months later we had like the whole thing like recorded and like ready to go right how cool is that though going back and forth with a legend like that at and in, in a creative way where you guys are bouncing ideas back and forth do you i know you, obviously if you're going to create something you can't let yourself fanboy out too much but there had to have been a few times during those back and forth where you're like oh shit this is luke lemay that i'm dealing with right now you know <laughs> yeah like, we're going back and forth right now and we're, we're creating something together there had to have been some centering point that in your mind where you're like yeah this is your current reality dave you know yeah it was it was a trip man um i i love gorguts um they're one of my favorite death metal bands of all time i think luke's just like a genius when it comes to writing music um mm -hmm. my, mm -hmm. my first tattoo ever was actually the the uh harp skull from the gorgut's record obscura wow uh, which was like on like the cd face like when you like open up the the cd yeah um so yeah i mean 
it was just an honor to work with with Luke. It was an honor to work with Liam and Elliot. I mean, just all like killer musicians across the board, all super unique. They all have their own style. Oh, totally. Um, really Elliot. like forward thinking musicians. So yeah, I mean, it was just like an honor to be a part of that project. Luke's so cool because he's such like a legend and um and like a powerhouse of 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 a guitar player and a composer and, and a vocalist as well. I mean, his 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 voice is like so sick. Um, but he just Very like stand out. Yeah, very standout. But he's such a cool guy too. Like he he never like um yeah, he never made me feel like like he's just like one of those dudes who like doesn't vibe you out at all. He's just like super happy go lucky and like mm -hmm. down to like I don't know, just be we're creative. We were very like, uh lucky to spend over four hours with him on his episode. It totally made you feel the same way the whole time, yeah. dude. Fuck yeah. He's a warm guy. Um, and we've toured together yeah. before. So I already have a rapport with him and um it's it's awesome. He's like come out to see like Revocation play before when we like play like Montreal. He'll come out and like hang out. And yeah, he's just like a great dude. He's just like dab on a knack, and he'll give you a hug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, knack, yeah. Dude. <laughs> and he like goes yeah. into hiding and stuff for a while, then he comes back out of his exactly like, yeah, hibernation like... for a bit, and then he'll pop back yeah. out. Um but yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's just an incredible, right, incredible player and an incredible human being. And it's yeah, it's just a trip because like I said, he was such a big influence on me growing up. I remember watching, forget the it was some like random guitar website, but it, it was like a it was him and their bassist, and they were like going over like um songs from like from wisdom to hate. This is like way back in the day. And it just like blew my mind, like his approach to like uh the guitar. Like he was playing inverted with that weird like pick tapping scrape thing that he does. And yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it just it just really uh inspired me to like look at the guitar um kind of like as this like weird abstract sound source as well as bringing the theory into it so um, right yeah uh, i was I just know. thinking about a this very unique approach i was just thinking about this the other day he had mentioned what were the uh joel and casey might be able to remind me the, what were the rules that they followed or what were the boundaries that they set oh, up for oh, obscura no blast beats no and... blast beats and no uh speed picking right oh yeah no no tremolo Tremolo no tremolo, no blast beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just they, like for a death metal album, just breaking, yes, breaking the mold, taking, yeah. taking out all yeah. the crutches. Basically, yeah. those are the two main crutches right there for extreme metal: is blast beats and speed picking. Right. Speaking of uh, speed picking, actually, I wanted to ask Dave just side question, just because I have it on the top of my mind. Because I watched that video of you falling and breaking your wrist, which oh, yeah. I couldn't even. I saw you go down, and I just turned it off because I was like, oh, I don't want to see what it looks like when it comes up. I didn't know if you like. Pl Someone told me you kept playing after that or something. Yeah, or I did you? That. How so? Was it just pure adrenaline when you did that? And how's it doing now? Are you able to play now? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I'm I'm back at it now. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, I've been I've been teaching and and playing a bunch. Um, you know, I don't have like the full, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty actually close to my full range of motion. I've been doing like a lot of like wrist, like stretching exercise and stuff like that. Um, I've only been out of the cast for a couple of weeks, but it was actually pretty crazy. Um, well, I'll get to the first part of your question first. So yeah, when, when I fell, um, I've never broken a bone before, so I wasn't sure if, if I had broken it or if it was just like a bad sprain, but like, I knew like I fucked myself up like pretty, pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess like adrenaline just kicked in, but it was it was kind of crazy because the song we closed with it was right before our last song. Uh, okay. The song we closed with is of Unworldly Origin, which is like probably like one of the fastest songs in the set, and it's just like an onslaught of like trend picking like the entire time, and it has like one of the most like 
difficult solos in the whole set as well. Yes. So um, it was definitely like, okay, here we go. Uh, I'm in for it now. How, how did but, your wrist react though to like tremolo picking? Was it was it like a wet noodle or was it actually was it tight? Or? Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure uh, I've played like tighter before, um, but like I, I mean, I got I got through the the set, um, and but as soon as I got off stage, I think that's like when it really hit me. Like once the once the adrenaline was like wearing off, like I couldn't even like wrap a cable. I was just like in so much. Um, pain it was like starting to swell up and stuff and um you know my other bandmates were like oh you probably just sprained it you know because like they're like there'd be no way you could play if it was actually broken hmm. um, yeah but my my bassist brett like he grew up like street skating so he's broken like a bunch of bones so he came up and was the like death metal musician at all? and i was like yeah and just like couldn't move it even like a little <laughs> bit and he was just like i want to see uh, like a doctor tomorrow <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah i went in and they, they took the x-ray and they're like yeah you broke your wrist and you can't play for yeah. six weeks you gotta be in the cast and all this stuff so that sucked um but you just stuck yeah, as vocalist I, right you did vocals only for the yeah, rest i just of did the vocals for the rest of the set i was okay, debating okay. going home but i'm like all right if I'm, if I'm in a sling and just like taking care of it like i don't know like i might as well be out on the road and like performing and yeah in a way i think it was good for like my mental health because like i feel like if i just like went home and just sat there for like three weeks like doing nothing and i don't know it would have fucked with you dude yeah sure. at least like when be you out knew there. that you were when you knew that you were supposed to be out on the road it would have fucked with you that whole time dude. right right I just you be know, sitting I've, there. I've left a tour i left a tour with these guys i missed one date and the whole time that i was gone it i didn't feel i was in place i felt out of place with everything that i was doing you know so that on top of looking at a fucking which by the way a broken bone will give you depression in general just you're like oh dude i'm i'm broken like that that natural thing's going to happen too so you got the broken aspect of it plus you're not on tour it definitely will will send you and he can't work on, he can't work well, on music if he if he does like yeah, go home yeah. he can't jam and it was my dominant hand too so just uh, yeah, doing yeah. fucking so anything you had to switch hit oh, on the beating yeah. it and all that yeah, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, was and that's that <laughs> so, uh, also shout out to skateboarders man like i have like a lot of friends that would always film videos they're jumping all the stairs and doing all the shit and you know it's and like my what like one of my friends he, he broke his arm like so many times in his wrist like he's just like yeah that went and then just i i had like a broken thing for like a year and i didn't even know it's like a hairline thing and yeah right and then you're all it's like it's all you know it's like it's crazy it's crazy yeah. but we um, we try to adapt is, yeah like when i went to go uh get the cast off um i went to see like an occupational therapist or whatever and she was having me do all these exercises like okay like put you know hug your elbow to your um your body and like rotate your your forearm and mm -hmm. um you know do all these different things and she was just like oh like you're not supposed to be able to do that yet um you're like way ahead of the game and like nice. by the end of it she was like all right take this hammer and just kind of like twist it around i'm like all right so take i was able to hammer. do like all these exercises and it kind of like blew her mind like a lot of people were like oh your arm's gonna be atrophied and you're you know all this stuff but like i don't know i've had like 20 years of like really how old are like, you very small muscles and like fine motor movements like in my hand so it wasn't like i was out of commission for like three months or something like that you know yeah. it, it was six weeks and i took good care of myself and the, the how great old are thing you, was though? like the doctor was like yeah probably like a lot of your like physical therapy is, is going to be like playing guitar so hey, 
That I mean, dude, the 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 new thing is get moving as soon as you can. So right. if right. you're a guitar player, you should be jumping back into guitar as soon as you can. Yeah. Because if that's the way th those are the the muscle groupings that you use to play guitar need to be like they they can't be out of commission for a certain amount of time because then you're either working yourself back up you may never even get to where you were after that you know because things change bones change and get in the way of muscles and shit like that so you need to just fucking get moving as soon as you can dude and i totally forgot what i was going to say before i went into this rent and here i am <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 132 guys episode 132 what was your what's your age bro how old are you i'm 36 okay so you're still young which that that like the younger you are you're gonna heal quicker I, my kids heal like half that time with a broken bone yeah it's crazy dude my yeah. my oldest he broke his arm four weeks it was like nothing even happened and he didn't even feel pain during the time he was in the cast too i'm like yeah. it so being you know in your 30s still but also being healthy in your 30s yep. you look like you, you take care of yourself enough to where you're gonna heal a lot quicker especially when you bounce back you don't you put it in the sling and just leave it there then you're gonna have a lot more weeks of getting back to normal you know yeah, and bones are a, kind of a crazy thing. They just like find a way to like stitch themselves back together. Like, I mean, uh, part of it, like obviously, like breaking a bone is an unlucky thing to happen. But uh, the type of break that I had, I think, was was pretty lucky because it was um, it was called non-displaced, meaning like they didn't have to reset the bone. So like mm. a lot of times when you hear those like horror stories of someone like really fucking themselves up and they need like pins and plates and all that kind of stuff, like really like mm. reconstructive shit, um, right? Like build. You know, that, that's when it can be trickier and can you know take a long longer time to yeah. heal not to say that you can't um obviously like plenty of people have like you know just like people that are like half cyborgs like walking around now with like you know some like <laughs> i'm surprised like brad doesn't have any of that stuff because he's like yeah, again like broken a bunch of stuff and i don't think he has really like any i don't think he has any like plates or screws in him um but it was weird like when i broke my wrist so many like seeing people seeing me in the cast like people would come up and like friends of mine that like i never knew had like injuries and they'd be like oh yeah dude check it out and they would they'd, like show me the scar they'd be like yeah like mm -hmm. four pins in there or whatever i'm like oh like i never would have mm -hmm. even known so um you know it is pretty miraculous how the body can heal itself even like at, if you need like an intervention and things to be kind of like reconstructed but like i said i got pretty lucky considering that they didn't need to like reset anything um and even the doctor when i went to go see him was like yeah, you're you're lucky because these normally like the type of break that I had normally does require surgery. So for for whatever reason, just like how I fell and how I broke it, it just, just got lucky. It fractured it, but it didn't like move out of place. So I got lucky. Hell yeah, dude! It is crazy how bones can be like naturally welded back together by our body, dude. Mm -hmm. Isn't that fucking trip, dude? Like somehow the whatever makes a bone. Well, if we need to bring it back together, our body will create it and and put it right where it needs to be. Even though you're going to end up with it, I'm looking at my hand right now because at, at a young age, I uh, a boxer's fracture, punched something hard, out of anger, broke my fucking hand. It's a very common. Uh, Is it drywall? 
No, it was actually a floor. I punched a floor? the floor. I tripped Jesus. and fell on the ground and out of anger punched the floor <laughs> and broke my hand. Yes, this is a, a, a mistake I made in my early 20s. And But I do have the screws and I feel this hand. There's so much more bone or whatever my body uses to like weld it back together if you grab my hand it there's so much more bone material right here and there is that scar that he was just talking about it's so funny he met so many people who had surgery and i'm like i'm one of those motherfuckers right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh but and i'll have two screws in my hand for the rest of my life that have been over they've been covered by bone material so like if for any reason i needed these screws out of my hand right now to break your hand they'd have to drill cut away all the shit that my body has naturally put in place to get to those screws you know damn it's wild the yeah the body's body a the body's a crazy thing right it is yeah, definitely it, yeah and and that's rad as fuck that we have that built into us too though yeah the healing I, I aspect it, if I'm not mistaken, like, um, like the like bone marrow is like where like a lot of like the adult like stem cells come mm. from in terms of like like you know blood reproduction and all that kind of stuff. That's mm. why I think when people need like um, have like some type of like uh, you know, blood cancers or whatever, like they oftentimes get like bone marrow transfusions oh, and that okay, like okay. helps to kind of create more of the stem cells. So I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why bones kind of are like how it was explained to me it's like you know breaking a bone i mean obviously it sucks but it's it's actually like a little bit easier to heal assuming it is non-displaced than like if you like really like you know tore like tendons and ligaments like those take like longer to heal often and so yeah i wonder if it's due to like due to like the stem cell kind of um you know element of the of like you know the the bone marrow if it just is maybe uh i don't know easier to kind of you know Mel men like, no, reproduce know those cells yeah to, yeah like, yeah heal it up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. regenerate like regenerate is the word yeah, that's what that's there regenerate. It's the death metal dr drew podcast it's <laughs> the weed guys <laughs> i swear <laughs> all right let's get into the let's get into the yeah dude, the we haven't even, yeah we haven't even gotten into, i love this all of this i love starting the show like this just bullshit <laughs> talking about no, science yeah. this is all Wolverine the real shit, stuff that we, yeah. yeah dude Wolverine shit. don't even say that dude because when i was a kid oh, God. that's exactly what i wanted like, dude, Wolverine, dude. i wanted that dude i would i would stare at my hand and be like oh, i oh, want blades wolverine for sure has the coolest or the i think the most practical i mean like the blades aside just like his regeneration regeneration yeah. and what is what if see that the bone what it's made of what's his adamantium name? there you oh, go that's right yeah, yeah his yeah. bones weren't made of that they like they they put it onto his skeleton and the okay. only reason he could get that transfusion he was like a military experiment um but the only reason they could do that is because he regenerates so quickly mm. okay right damn dude fucking comic books are so sick dude cyclops <laughs> is the worst power though for sure 
Oh yeah, because you, you get you, you have no control over it, right? Yeah, he just lasers he, shooting out of his eyes. Oh yeah, he has to get like a cover to like he gets a filter to like. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> oh, you just always have to wear glasses around, like a protective, like non-laser eye glasses, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I mean, uh, the coolest thing about comic books is the origin story, and we need your origin story, dude. So, take us back in time, dude. Take us to childhood. And Boston was where you grew up your whole life? Yep. All right, dude. So take us back to childhood in Boston. Young Buck, uh, you're 36. So you're 20 years ago. Coming into fruition at 1986. Yep, correct. All right. So talk about what was going on in the early years. We we like that um, first connection with art or music, dude. Think about that early memory of connecting with one of the two or both. So, I mean, like, what got me into playing guitar was um, was Aerosmith. Actually, I uh, I was just like watching like MTV like one day back when they used to play like music videos, and I think actually MTV is just like done for now. I think. They, yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, really, completely, um, oh, completely shit. done. Yeah. Um, wow. Anyway. So yeah, I was watching uh, like an Aerosmith music video and I saw like Joe Perry like ripping this awesome solo on the Les Paul and I don't know, it just like looked so cool to me and I was I was 12 years old and pretty mm-hmm. much the next day like I asked my mom to buy me a guitar. So um you were 12 at that time? Yeah, I was 12. Okay, so I'm just going to remind you rewind you just for a second. I want to know what your parents were listening to in the household. Like what's the type of music that kind of set the cuz that really sets the foundation you know the stuff that you're going to connect connect to while your parents are jamming out at home you know you know to be honest with you like my i was i didn't really grow up in like a musical like household um okay like my i think you know my mom would like listen to like the radio or whatever like you know we had like jamming 94.5 was like the uh the local radio station when that was like playing like ace of bass and you know shit like that like back yeah, in the day but, yeah um, you know this bass yeah we we, we, had, we had a we had a piano but like no one played it um there wasn't like a, a ton of like we didn't have like you know like a record player that was in use like there was a record player in the house but like i don't like i don't, I don't think anyone like played an album on it yeah. ever um so yeah it wasn't really like a uh like a musical household that i grew up in. i know sometimes like people like you know that become musicians become one because like their mom or their dad played like violin or guitar or, or piano but that wasn't really the case for me i think most stuff that I discovered was like kind of more on my own. Um, That's I mean, cool, they, they certainly like nurtured me and like, and, and encouraged me to, to, to follow my passion, which was great. Right. Um, but yeah, it wasn't really like, you know, if you like, I don't even know, like my mom really had like a favorite artist back then or anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's actually cool too, to, especially um, being, you know, exposed to your art as, as much as I have to know that, you know, there was really no early influence other than yourself. That's actually a more rare thing we hear after 132 episodes on the show. You know, there yeah. usually is a, 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 at least one factor that kind of steers the artist in a direction at a young age you know so discovering it on your own that that's a pretty cool thing dude yeah i mean i don't know for me it just kind of always like resonated with me like i loved 
music as a kid. Um, I mean, even before I got into um, Aerosmith, like they were like my sort of first like obsession where like I wanted to like play like guitar and stuff. But like, I mean, before that, I was like obsessed with Weird Al. I just thought Weird Al was like the hell yeah, the dude. coolest. I still think Weird Al is awesome. Oh, I'm definitely 100% back it. I would be elbow to elbow with you at a Weird Al show right now, bro. Yeah, I, I, I saw 100%. I saw one hundred percent. Yeah, I saw him play at the Cape Cod Melody Tent, like when I was a kid, and I just like lost my mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was there was that, and then I guess in terms of like, um, I mean, I, I love art now, and I I I've studied the different artistic time periods, you know, in, in in college a little bit, and um, I love going to museums when I'm on tour, so I I definitely have, uh, I guess, developed my uh, my knowledge and understanding of you know, modern art and, um, you know, like, like classic artists and stuff like that. But I wasn't really, obviously when I was a kid, like didn't know who like Rembrandt was or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess in terms of, a, I, I was more into like film specifically like horror movies. So I was like obsessed with horror movies when I was like a very, very young child. Like my mom some. should not have been renting me the movies that I wanted to see at Blockbuster. Like, dude, but like I literally begged her. Like I wouldn't like leave yeah. the store unless she would rent like like Freddy Krueger or you know like, like oh, Nightmare dude, on Elm Street. Yes. Like I just like yeah. I, was I was just upset. I think it was like, the covers. I don't know. Just, like those old VHS horror movies yeah. had just such awesome covers. It's probably why I love death metal art yeah, so yeah. much and all that. Like but similar. literally she'd be like David I'm not gonna like rent you this and I would like just beg her yeah in the blockbuster and she's like fine i'll get you that and it's funny the one movie that like fucked me up was uh and she like she always like talks about this was little shop of horrors which is not like a scary movie but i think my brain i was waiting for something way harder than that (laughs) no i would watch like fucking you know jason this is my thing i I guarantee it's there's like one scene in that movie that you had such a, a, a vehement like response to. I just don't think I understood that it was like satirical and I didn't get that it was like a musical. Like there was just like, there was all these other things in there sprinkled in that my like young child brain, like yeah. it wasn't like, I, it wasn't computing. I wasn't like getting the reference for it. Like I didn't understand that it was like supposed to be campy. I was just like, what, like, why yeah. is this plant? Eating people, eating people, and why? Why are they breaking into like? And I think there's like a weird like. And why is the guy from Honey I Shrunk the Kids like making it happen, dude? Yeah. He's literally like he started it off by feeding it his blood, right? That it was a tiny little plant, and he's like feeding it his blood, and then yeah. it grows up to be a cannibalistic fucking, or not a cannibalistic because obviously it's not eating; it's eating us. Right. A, a carnivorous plant. Yeah. Shout out to my first band. What oh, that's what that's about. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite horror movie of all time? If you had to pick one favorite horror movie. Now that's a good. That's okay, a top two for me. To top pick. two. If there's I, a top I tie. Do, I can't do it because there's just because there's sci-fi horror. Um, I mean, I can run down a few that I think are awesome. Let's hear them. Go for like, it. Like, yeah. I mean, f- first of all, like I gotta give it like, I don't know. I think Freddy is one of like the best horror yeah. movie Freddy's the time. only one that actually got into my dreams Johnny Depp <laughs> you go. got re- actually know, got one liners and like the like you know all the effects and stuff like that it's super fun um, what's the one where he ate people off the pizza was that five 
Uh, yeah, it's way in there. It's way deep into yeah, the, the, five. the lore. Um, but that one turned into a uh, actual dream for me where I, I was beaten, <laughs> eaten on a pizza. Oh, damn. I got you. And you're I, Italian. Was little, I was funny. a little sausage. I was a little Sicilian <laughs> sausage ball. Dude. Wow. Um, okay. so a that. little I mean, sazitza. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sci-fi horror, though. Like, I mean, I love Alien. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, just incredible. Yeah. Uh, the thing I loved. The thing. Uh, I love the psychological component of that, where like you don't know like who's yeah. an alien and who's not, and also yeah. just like the for uh, sure the special effects in that were so cool. Like just yeah, the, 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 I'll never forget like that one scene where like the head like bursts out of the dude's, or sorry, it was like a yeah, like kind of like an alien. They're doing like the uh, the fibrillator on the guy. And his like chest like turns into a mouth, and then like the head oh, pops shit. off, and like spider legs come out, and it like skitters away. Uh, just one of like I think like the best one of the, one of the best scenes in Pet Cemetery Two, the mm-hmm. fucking sister scene, dude. Whatever her name is, the sick sister that's in kept in a room in the house. I I don't remember. I haven't seen it for so long because I'm actually fucking probably still traumatized from this movie, dude. <laughs> but. Pet Cemetery 2, there's this like backstory about this sick sister that totally that scene just fucked me up as a kid, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I was at a friend's house and it's it's such a calm or it's such a weird thing to have such a, gr- a great experience and a horrible experience at the same time because she served us bacon grilled cheese, dude. Bacon grilled cheese. I've never had anything as decadent as bacon grilled cheese <laughs> at that time in my life dude so i get to serve this bacon grilled cheese and then she starts pet cemetery too dude i'm like seven eight jesus and i'm eating this bacon grilled cheese and we get to this scene and i'm like i can't enjoy this anymore i'm almost like sick to my stomach as a child so anytime i think of bacon grilled cheese i you know, because American food is always like, oh, dude, let's throw bacon on top of a grilled cheese. Yeah. I'm like, Pet Cemetery too, dude. Sister, Any fucking time bacon and grilled cheese is in the same mix, immediately thinking about that scene. Dude. You know what's rad? It's like dudes like like John Carpenter, for example, with the thing and all that, like that like compose music and like direct movies at the same time. And his music is so good. Like mm-hmm. it's like yeah rad fucking soundtrack shit like like electronic like soundtrack music and it's damn i didn't know he did both yeah dude he was both it's yeah i have like some of his albums on my uh, apple music thing and it's fucking mine's quick for the one that fucked me up was the rathacon where the fucking thing goes in the guy's ear that little slug thing that little that that, like when i was was a little kid that fucked me up for like that was the only scene where i was like i was a child my dad was like a star trek like nerd and had like you know walls of all the vhs tapes remember when that like he showed me that i was like sick dude that's the rest of my life i'm fucked i got that in my head forever that's part that's part for the course to have walls of vhs tapes at your fucking house especially in new mexico seriously dude yeah that's that's still fucks with me so, right, I like a lot over. of like um, the French horror films too, like Martyrs. I think is fantastic. Oh, dude, dude um, you literally just were in my head. You're in my head now. Five minutes ago, when I was like, "He likes horror." <laughs> I want to start talking about Martyrs. I want to start talking about Inside. Yeah, I want to start talking about all this yeah. French horror shit that yeah. fucked me. That like literally, I've watched. I've watched Inside 
okay i watched it with my wife at the time she was just my girlfriend and after it finished i was like are you okay <laughs> she was just like don't touch me you know i was like that was my first <laughs> like oh shit dude somebody like really had like a deep deep connection with a movie that i'm sitting with like they are so like just appalled by what they just seen they can't they they need to be in their little bubble so then i try and show that to friends of ours on a halloween one time and within first the first five minutes of inside uh the girl of the couple that we were watching with she had to run to the bathroom and throw up and i was like holy shit dude what i must be fucking fucked up now because (laughs) this stuff doesn't even bother me anymore you know you're like what's everyone all upset about (laughs) and then i was like (laughs) and then i was like it's okay i'll just put on halloween we just put on like all the original halloween and she was fine after that but something about french horror they they hit this Mm. um very um human and finite aspect of being human you know just like how gnarly things can be it was in ichi the killer Oh, that yeah. was a gnarly one too, dude. That, that's so, one I haven't actually seen, but I, but you know, I know a lot of people talk about it. Yeah. But martyrs, dude, Dave. I, I know. Uh, I'm doing. I'm gonna do a shout out right now. The first time I ever watched the movie Martyrs was in Maddie Way's living room, <laughs> and it was one of those holy shit, dude. It was kind of like you're on a roller coaster and there's certain times where you're white knuckling that bitch. You got to hang on really tight to get through certain parts of it, you know? And martyrs was one of those later things after being so desensitized by everything that I've seen that actually took me back to, Oh shit. I actually do need to white knuckle a few scenes. There's a few scenes in it. You're or like uh, irreversible, like oh those, god i was hoping you wouldn't bring that up i know but it's just like those are the scenes but, that uh, uh, unfortunately are the ones that for the people that are so desensitized by all the crazy shit that we've seen in our early 20s like those are the things that we um are gonna get those same the the only way we're gonna get those same reactions out of the thing is when it's just that extreme you know yeah it's it's uh it's a martyr is just a brutal film um brutal. Yeah, something about the 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 french approach to horror um it's like legitimately legitimately horrifying i don't know like it's it's something like, that can actually happen yeah there's a circ there's like a psychological component to it that's uh i mean it's just like dark like i remember like after i watched martyrs like for days it was just like stuck with me where normally like if i'll watch like a horror movie i'm like okay cool like that was there was some yeah. cool kill scenes or some you know whatever like that was a cool twist there like a couple of jump scares but like um i don't know there's just like a depravity to like martyrs that like really like affected me on like a, and the way a that it's level. left it's left open at the very end yeah yeah there's no um yeah i don't want to spoil it for anyone that's listening but right um yeah definitely definitely watch that, that um that being left open with that you're just like and then the the closing sequence with all the credits and photos and all that shit that they're showing it definitely is not a movie that is supposed to leave you with any closure or comfort or anything like that you are totally left uh you feel naked you feel alone (laughs) 
What the fuck is Joel doing over there? Is he laughing at me? My cat was attacking me. No, I was laughing at you. No, my cat was attacking me. I was laughing at you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could go on about that. Anyways, uh, bringing it back to the timeline. uh, (laughs) No, you guys are scared to fucking talk real film shit. You were into horror, and so when did that inspire you? I like the horror thing. No, I'm being for sure. No, I'm down. Yeah. I was just trying to get back on the timeline, yeah, and me and Casey all... made a joke, and we, we left. Yeah, all right, we, we... let's get let's get back <laughs> so to the teenage. We can talk let's... about horror movies for. I mean, I know, you know, dude. Don't even get into comedies; they'll be all day. So, <laughs> the best I part. Was was I also want to say one more, one more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, talk. talk. And if I have a reaction to it, you guys can't cut me off. Okay, here we go. We could meet you. You better fucking not, I'm fucking done with the meat so hard, dude. Here we go. So yeah, what was that one? No, oh sorry, sorry, Dave. Oh, Skin of a Rink. That movie is is uh, I've never seen that one. What is that? It's like it's like pretty new. It's like I don't know. uh, Very very bizarre. Is it French horror again? Or we? No, no, it's not French. Okay, Uh, it just like just feels like a childhood nightmare i don't know i mean that being called skidamarink i'm thinking of the song skidamarink you dink you dink skidamarink you do and then but hearing that in a creepy way you know yeah that would that would be some nightmare shit it's uh it's definitely like watch it with like all the lights off and just yeah i don't know it's it's it's, uh kind of reminds me of like Blair Witch a little bit in terms of like the found footage element, yeah. but it's really not like documentary. It's not documentary style. It just, um, I don't know. It's just really weird. It's like barely any dialogue in it. It's it's kind of like mm. an artsy film, I guess, but um, it's very experimental. I'll put it that way. And it's just like you watch it. If you watch the trailer, like you'll maybe get like an idea of it. I have a feeling that uh, you and I need to talk more after this episode because they're already getting... I, I feel like I could just go on to movies forever. I already can tell. So I, I, I'm going to hold. I'm well, he did mention Blair Witch. I remember Blair Witch. I thought someone told me that when I went into it, someone was like, dude, this is fucking recovered footage. This is. And so I went into it thinking it, really it was real. Cool. Everyone thought no, that. I, no, I went into it like, what the fuck? And how it like ends at the very end. I was like, what the fuck? They found this footage. This is insane. This is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. And it's like, oh, it's fake. It's like, fuck. Fuck you guys. Like I was so mad. <laughs> I was walking out of that theater so freaked out. Like that was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like I wonder then... the percentage of people that went to see that movie thinking it was real found footage. Yes. That would be a good thing. To, or not a good thing, but I just oh, half. half. Yeah. You, you know what's funny is when you like you see like a horror movie or something, like and you're like going back over old ones that are classics or whatever, and you're like Oh yeah, and then like you all of a sudden hear a sample that oh I've heard that from like a death metal album like you know oh yeah like know, I was watching I was like oh human waste intro like suffocation yeah. that Hellraiser too or whatever like oh yeah yeah there's some part you just, just all, clicks like, to it oh it's it's weird like like getting that reference first from like a death metal album and then watching the movie like later on or something <laughs> and putting it together might have seen it when I was younger but I didn't or being a death metal guy and then watching the burbs and being like oh dude. Yeah that's a skinless intro like skinless was able to use like humorous intros you know definitely dave have you seen the new evil dead movie uh i have not no is it any good i haven't seen wait how new is it i I saw like like, two months ago or a month ago like oh no no yeah it was like the sequel to like well i don't don't, don't know it's like the second like new one there was like a new one but like 
you know, I don't know, like years ago, like actually, and it was yeah, long ago. Is that like Bruce Campbell in it or no? It's like it's. Oh. Did Did you see that like remake one or whatever? It, it was. Like, I saw the remake one. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I thought it was yeah. sick. It was yeah. totally different than like yeah. the old ones. I've but, only seen one and but, two, and then Army of Darkness. And they got Ash right. versus Evil Dead, which which is like a continuation of that Sam Raimi is that a like show vibe. Yeah, dude. It, yeah, it, I watched the whole show. Raimi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I watched all of it. Um, but and San Raimi's great. Like you know, like he just like drag me to hell and stuff. Have you seen that? Mm, I've heard of it. That's a good one. That that's San Sam Raimi as well. You know, same director, and he did Spider Man and shit. Also, I didn't realize all that. But Jesus. whoa, but Leveled up a little bit. Yeah. But right, like, I, yeah, I want to see the new, newest Evil Dead. I just, I don't know if it's good or not, but that was you the guys, point. You guys right, were trying to center of... us on the timeline and now i'm doing it let's get back on yeah, the nice <laughs> i know now that we've talked about now that i listen it's isn't that funny how egotistical i am where i'm like oh dude i'm talking now so no this can go as long <laughs> as i can but as soon as i hear other people die, i'm like oh wait no we need to talk about Dave again. <laughs> at least you recognize it i know i'm recognizing <laughs> it i'm sorry guys um hope in therapy <laughs> this is my ther- this is my therapy fuck yeah all right Dave, let's get I back on by the hour, guys. Exactly. Is all. Let's talk about teenage uh, years, dude. So you got that? You got the guitar, and Aerosmith was the main factor. Like Steve Perry. But let's talk about know. you know, um, maybe the, the, the first Perry. the first riff you you learned. You were like, oh shit, I figured out one riff. You know, and then also getting into how things got more extreme for you. What 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 teenage years were like coming through high school? Who were the people you were meeting along the way that may have been feeding you some uh, more extreme stuff? Like the building the progression towards being in an extreme death metal band is it's not like you just jump from point A to point B, you know, right um yeah so yeah 12 I, I started off with aerosmith um i think the opening riff to walk this way was like the first thing that i learned um and then from there i got into like guns and roses they just seemed like a little bit more heavy a little bit more extreme certainly like maybe a little bit more like technical from like a guitar playing standpoint mm-hmm. i remember um i had the guns and roses like live in japan it was like a like a two vhs set it was like three and a half hour long um, concert or whatever or maybe they played multiple nights and it was a collection from the two nights but either way i mean like both of those tapes were like an hour and half Mm -hmm. long or whatever so uh i remember i would just like come home from school and just like literally just put those on like every day and like get my guitar out and it's kind of almost like how i learned to like play power chords like slash because he uses like his pinky when he's moving around and i was like oh yeah that's kind of like that feels comfy for me um, and I would like learn like little licks. I wasn't like learning like the solos note for note, but um, there were like some like crucial licks here and there. Plus he did like two fully extended, like five minute long, like guitar solos in those VHSs. Um, so, you know, learned licks from there and just kind of like got, I don't know, just super into Guns N' Roses, went down that rabbit hole for a while. And then after that, it was Pantera. They were like kind of like my gateway drug into like, you know, heavy. Real, like heavy sounding shit yeah. um remember like going to see like pantera 
live like multiple times and they'd have like morbid angel opening and like show oh like i that. saw that so, same thing so that same yeah. tour that was awesome yep so that was like kind of my introduction to like death metal and and, and black metal i mean like on some of those old posters like phil be wearing like mayhem shirts and stuff yep. like that or satiricon shirts or i hate god oh, shirts yeah. and you know all these like different bands and like crowbar like i don't know there was just so many branches i feel like from like pantera as a band because like they were kind of like repping like a bunch of different band shit constantly and taking like a lot of cool bands on tour i mean they could go on tour just like by themselves and like sell out stadiums like at that point so it was cool that they would bring out like um kind of more underground acts so um and then like once i got into like the underground like i was probably like i want to say like 15 16 years old um just like the floodgates like opened up i was listening to like x hoarder and, and dark angel and forbidden like really going down like the the the, the old school but like kind of off the beaten path like thrash bands like like i was mentioning like dark angel and shit and like just like a million riffs on those records and they were all like incredible um and then at the same time like really getting into bands like you know like classic death metal bands of course like cannibal corpse and and morbid angel um and then like you know melodic death metal like in flames like i remember like yep. the first time i heard in flames like I, I think it was um i think it was colony and it just like hell almost, yeah like, colony was mine too yeah it, like didn't compute to me at first i was like well this sounds so like happy and epic and like there's a dude screaming over it. but of course like now like um and like you know soon after hearing it like i kind of really fully embrace that and um you know i just love how melodic they were able to be and um yeah i don't know, just like they brought a totally different kind of approach to 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 death metal and it was just so like fresh to my ear at the time i was just like it like blew my mind literally i was just like oh my god i can't believe yeah. you do this for, in like in death metal um and for me it's then, very similar to not sorry to cut you off but it's very similar what you're talking about like uh seeing i saw one time i was like you know i went to the pantera phase then slayer and i saw um carrie king wearing a haunted shirt and i was mm -hmm. like huh i see that logo i'm seeing it more and more and i bought it bought mm -hmm. the haunted made me do it and then yep went backwards and got the at the gates you know and then like went kind of backwards and got in flames and did yep. stuff like that and just it's like seeing the shirts and uh another shout out to you david uh, that's on the top of my mind i saw a reel of you uh, or something came through my feed and it was like death metal bands you need to that are underground that need more respect or something like that and you i think you mentioned um anada mm. like you mentioned anada. Yeah. And I was like, "Damn! Like I haven't heard anyone yeah. talk about them. They're like one of my favorite bands from the yeah. old school." And like, yeah. I think you might have said theory and practice too, but I'm not sure. But theory and practice and Anata, those are like the two that like I've, we've tried. I've been trying to get them on here forever. But they're just like, mm -hmm. I don't know what to talk about. I'm like, dude, <laughs> fucking talk your ear off. Like that we'll shit talk was your like, ear off. Yeah, let us. Yeah, talk, it's like no, but shout out for like it was like a big like I might might have been a metal injection interview or something where you talked about revolver. Yeah, a revolver. Yeah, even bigger. I mean. I was like, fuck yeah, someone needs to give, but I can tell you kind of, so starting from now, you kind of went deeper into like kind of the underground technical uh, realm. Yeah, yeah, like like after I kind of laid down like a good solid base of like, you know, a lot of like the classic stuff. And again, like I'm like a teenager, the like Napster and all that stuff is like just popping off. So like, right, right. Know, I'm like plugged into the information mm -hmm, super mm -hmm. highway of death mm -hmm. metal for lack of a better term so it's just like i mean every week i'm discovering stuff and i had that real real hunger too like you know the older you get life happens and there's more yeah. and more things competing for our time but i mean for me it was just like i was 
fucking obsessed with yeah, all forms of extreme metal. So, and not just like, you know, listening to it online. I mean, you know, nowadays, like I'm going to sound like an old man, but like, um, you know, there's like a lot of like instant gratification. Something comes out, you just listen oh, to it yeah. on Spotify. I mean, like that, like wasn't the case like when I was growing up. So, I mean, I remember like for us buying yeah. like, you know, the X hoarder, the law on CD uh-huh. and like, you Whoa, know, I was like okay. waiting, checking the mail, like every day for it to yeah. like, show up and then like you know when you finally get it after waiting so long it's not like you're just like listening to one track and like skipping to your next playlist like i mean i would sit down and like smoke a ton of weed and just like listen to that record over and over again which um, and really as a absorb li- it you know as a listener if uh we just mentioned pantera and you you think of how original pantera is if you listen to x hoarders the law you'll find that there's very, very deep similarities in a lot of aspects of those bands when, you know, I didn't come across X Hoarder until later and listening to the lie, I kind of almost had this moment of like, Oh dude, Pantera isn't as original as I thought it was, you know, because that, that I think that there was this wavelength that was happening. I, I, you may know more about it than me, Dave, but it was happening right around the same time. And it, it does seem like, I don't know, there might have been some influence back and forth between both of those bands. I don't know how much they want to, they would want to admit, but there's no denying certain aspects of the law and early Pantera and, and the fact that they were very close to each other, they had to have crisscrossed, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they were touring the same circuits. I remember reading about that a little bit online, how, like, there was some some influence there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, I don't know, The Law, to me, is, I think it's one of the best thrash metal records, like, ever written it's so it's aggressive very like, good i mean to me it's as heavy as like as like a ripping death metal record it's just like so mm-hmm. fucking pissed off and there's so much attitude there which i really liked um and like kyle thomas's delivery as a vocalist really um inspired me like i don't know he had almost like a rock and roll swagger to how he like delivered certain lines which mm-hmm. uh you know you don't normally hear in like extreme metal because it's kind of always like at one level of like ultimate intensity the whole time but he i don't know he was like kind of like sassy with how he said shit and i just always like loved that mm-hmm. um so anyway uh you know went from that and then like even like black metal like you know getting into like emperor and like immortal um i even was like into like the dude from theory and practices like side project black metal band called mutant which was like uh, oh yeah yeah like, remember that one-off remember that. band um got into i remember like there was a uh radio station it was like friday or saturday nights at like 11 or midnight it would come on they played like death metal for an hour it's called nasty habits it was in um nice yeah it was like a you know local like boston like college radio station and they would play like all this like cool underground shit and again it was sort of a different era there where it wasn't like that instant gratification you could like automatically like look something up and i remember i was i don't know just super baked like going to sleep listening to that and this band came on and it was a technical death metal band and it fucking melted my brain. Like, and it was one of those situations where it like, it came on and it was like right when I was falling asleep. So like, 
you, I don't know, there's like some weird thing that happens to your brain where you're oh, like totally. kind of in and out of that kind of lucid state. So yeah. it just made it like even more trippy. And it just, it just sounded like a, like a nightmare, but like in the best way possible. And I didn't get the name of the uh, band. Wow. Um, so I like, had to go like a whole week where I'm like, what the fuck was this? And I'm like, I hope they play this again next week. Yeah. And I listened to it. Um, and it was spawn of possession cabinet. Yes, wow. that's my favorite album of all time. <laughs> oh my god, it's just so, so goddamn good. fucking good. I know, it's a masterpiece. You know, Dennis was telling me the other day that like part of the kick drum sound on that was like he was like hitting like a block of wood or something or like what was he telling <laughs> me? He's hitting, he like then they sampled it in and then it's just like but it's like natural. I don't know, it's some weird like crazy ass yeah. shit. That, What's crazy yeah. about that? I remember because Dennis was on the podcast. It was one of the like earlier podcasts and stuff. And um, I was he was saying basically they were so tight back then they just went in and kind of played that live. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like yeah, what yeah. the fuck? That's like the most like to me. I remember that was in my CD player. I've talked about this a million times, but it's in my car and I, for six months, and I did not take that out because remember same thing that happened to you. Kind of my friend put it on, and we were just trying to find the craziest thing we could find, you know. And yeah. he put this on. It was just a random. Uh, CD store purchase. When we're driving away from the CD store, puts it in, and we're both silent. We're just like, "What? Like, what's what happened? Like, I don't understand what's going on." Like, it's kind of like it's like way above my wavelength. I'm like, I don't, and I just like got out of the car, so I'm like, "Thank you, dude. All right, take it easy." And like the next day, I called him and was like, "What the fuck? What? Like, what was that spawn possession? He burned me that immediately." Yeah, it was like 2002 or three or something. He burned that for me, and I was like, I was just obsessed. Like, I thought. I remember they were like they, they announced they were coming on tour and I was like you got to get they like went on sale and I bought tickets immediately I'm like they're gonna they're gonna sell out dude they're gonna sell out. everyone's gonna and there's like set there was like twenty people there but like right, I was I like I was, it was like got it like three months in advance yeah, yeah. people's perception of shit when like you're like so into stuff like and then yeah. you realize it, it's just such a small like niche genre yeah, yeah. but um, no. yeah yeah they yeah they they blew my mind you know a lot of bands like that I was discovering in that really technical scene i don't know it just it just caught my ear it was super musical sounding like anata is another example just like total yep. gem of a band um I, I wish they put out that that record on that was supposed to come out on earache i you know i don't know it's, it seems like it's like lost to the fucking sands of time or something but hopefully it'll come out uh one of these days or see the light or if someone knows those guys just just tell tell them to send con the, conductors the was the last one right yeah. It, no, that was, but they, I remember There's on MySpace one. they like had like demos out, mm -hmm. and they I remember like there being like I kind of remember this too. A, uh, I don't know press release or something like that. I mean, I was like really like following that band pretty pretty damn closely, and I remember they were saying they were working on the follow up, and like I heard a demo, and uh, yeah, and then and then nothing. So anyway, them Martyr, another band. Oh um, fuck yeah, oh, yeah, I course. love. Um, again, it's it's crazy. Like some of just like my idols growing up like i can like call like friends now like like demo right. grain was like, grain. such oh, yeah. a big just a massive influence on me um as a as a music as a guitar player but also like as a composer and like thinking about things in a different way as a genius. and like you know i just saw him recently play with voivod and he, like, signed my cast and he's oh, like yeah. oh i have a beer and like let's hang out and he's just like just such like a sweet dude um chewy totally. yeah nickname so. yeah Anyway, I, I mean, again, this is one of those topics that I could just talk about like mm. all day because it, it has well, so much I'm going to oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just wanted to cut in there like real fast and like, just like, dude, yeah, like, dude, you're like, gu your guitar playing is so rad and sick. Like, and like, I heard like 
what one of the posts I made on the stories, like I like found a solo just from a random song. Didn't have to even look very very far, but it was just like the sick solo that was like all like crazy like whole tone kind of sounding like you know like just really cool like this weird part and like it kind of reminded me of of you know dan dan mongrain and stuff and i was just like dude like i don't know i, I can hear that influence or that that cool style in your in your guys's music too so thank you this bad yes so uh, dan dan's like i remember seeing the first time i ever saw him was he was playing with cryptopsy randomly and like oh, so first yeah. i actually have a funny story about this i saw uh, course, just, I just, he was really good as well okay you go yeah, so, I was gonna say he's good. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I, I went to go see Cryptopsy and I was freaking out because Mongrain was yeah. uh Lord Worm too, right? Was it yeah, Lord Worm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah, cut yeah. they were it was supporting once was not, right? That was the album that they had just put out recently. I think there was so. once when not stuff yeah. definitely that material was being yeah, I thought they were playing night. some like old school shit on that one too, but oh wait, um, no, 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 you're right, dude. It was it was blasphemy made flesh. Yeah. Or no, or was it no it was none so vile live That's yeah i think that was what they were doing yeah. yeah if i'm not mistaken yeah um but anyway i'm like i'm like a kid you know i'm like i don't know like 16 17 years old yep. like i drove yeah, up to yeah. new hampshire to this place called the bomb shelter to go see them play and i had like a like it wasn't even like a flip phone uh like it wasn't even like a razor it was like um like pre-razor flip phone just some like shitty i don't know cell phone but mm -hmm. you could like program like ringtones into it so you could like make your own and like you could have like uh, little yeah. libraries Indeed. and stuff so <laughs> my <laughs> ringtone was <laughs> damn long grain solo from deserted waters off of warp zone that i like fucking like, Jesus. Sick, dude. That's and i like i just punished him so hard it's like loud you translated and it into eight bit or whatever for <laughs> yeah 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 literally it's just like just sounds like garbage <laughs> and i remember like holding it up to his ear and like playing him like <laughs> the, you know in the club and he's just like, yeah. like looking at me like oh okay like <laughs> Very, very nice young man. It's like you know? no different than you. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it's like noisy too and... in the club, and he probably like couldn't even like hear it at all. And I'm just like deserted <laughs> yeah. water solo. Like, like it's no different than saying, "Check out my power tab of your solo, dude." Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, still like eight bit. Like the was that like a little app that you could use, or was it? A, did you get to program it, or you have to like do it like it's all clicked out? And you have to go like do 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 do. I don't even think like, apps ex existed back then. No, I know, <laughs> this, right? I don't even know. Like, I had to go that. into like the like the bowels of my phone to like figure out like how to like do this. That's oh, savage. Holy dude. shit, That's, dude! I'm yeah. down. Dude. Probably the nerdiest it's thing. It's something I've that I would have done if yeah. Actually, Martyrs, the reason why I even found out about Martyr was Spawn Possession Cabinet. That was their number one um, in the thank you list. That was their number one thank you. It was like the first one was Martyr. And so we were like, all right, next next uh, mission, yeah, yeah, we got to yeah. go to the record store and get Martyr. We have to yep. find Martyr. That's what we have I've to do. I've said it so, before, like, but was seeing Cryptopsy on that tour with Dan Mongrain and then going to the merch booth and seeing the two martyr albums and it said for fans of cynic and atheist and pestilence and i was just like, like jesus sold 10 <laughs> bucks each and let me get a cryptopsy t-shirt while i'm at it yeah yeah know? totally and i went home that night probably way more fucked up than i should have been not driving obviously but just sitting there like getting home from a show and saying you know what i'm not gonna go to sleep right now i'm gonna sit here and listen to these albums that i got and listening to martyrs warp zone and being like oh fuck yeah dude i fucking bought a sick record tonight dude. yeah yeah 
and then you go to sleep and then you wake up and it could be different but no it was even better the next day you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's something magical i don't know when you're just like young and like i don't know your brain is like a sponge and like and, and everything you're hearing too is like you're hearing it for the first time so it's like like legitimately blowing your mind because like i don't know we're like you know we're not old old and jaded yet so like yeah. i don't know there's just something about that that time period like we've I, all I wish i could always like i've learned a lot obviously and, I, and i've and grown as like a as a person but um man i wish i could just sort of like stay in that like i know yeah, dude i know exactly like, what you're talking about when yeah. you sing this because there's so many different listening experiences that we have along the way because we're hungry and wanting to find the best shit all the time so obviously like listening experiences will be varied though because we're not going to find everything that we're, we're necessarily looking for but we're still trying you know so you might not be ready for something that you come across after after one listen but you need a few listens but there's what you're talking about is that first listen right where you actually do connect with it and and there's still this like potential of so many different connections that you can have with this art but you you know it's there but it's it's you haven't made all the connections yet so you got to go for it again and it keeps building and building and you make more our filters our filters have gotten so like you said jaded kind of where we just know when we hear songs now we're like all right what's coming okay i have a feeling you know like we kind of yeah a question mark over our head that we used to have when we were a kid has kind of been like what uh dave said kind of jaded just to like all right oh they're doing that in the beginning okay that's what's an interesting choice all right what's going okay before it used to be like huh do i like this i don't even know what's going on i mean i need to figure this out kind of thing it's like that that younger side of me was so much more had so much more there's mystery to the song more than just like now i'm just kind of like it's such like what you said plug and play just what up blah i want to hear this boop and just like you know it's there's no going out and purchasing the album bringing it home unwrapping it doing a little thing it's like just like ah, i want to hear it real quick uh like give it 40 seconds that's yeah, it's cool and just like you know you could do that now which has completely changed the landscape of music which is a bummer you know it's kind of been the downside of the streaming thing yeah i i I always try to still maintain that youthful exuberance. And I think, you know, certainly like get that from a, like a live experience too. Yeah. Um, I mean, me being like a, you know, a guitar teacher, um, there's a certain like analytical part of my brain when I'm listening to music. So I try my best to turn that off so that I can just yeah. you know, experience it in the moment. Right. Um, but I, but I still have those, I, I will say, I still have those moments where I like, I don't know, something will just get stuck in my head and I'll be like, just like all in on it. Like for me, it's happening right now with like um, that new, like Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, okay. Tracks, but like, I cannot stop listening to them. Yeah. And like, it's making me go back to like their old catalog and going through it. And that's fantastic, know, they just, dude. They just that's have it. such cool riffs and like, um, you know, certainly it happens to me with, you know, death metal bands and things like that. Um, but I guess, uh, I don't yeah there was just there's just something when you're like about hearing like an extreme metal genre for like for like the very first time to the point where it's just like I don't even know yeah like as we get older and we've toured with different bands and like you know I've mm-hmm. I've interacted and shot the shit with you know so many great musicians like um I mean there's still that kind of amazing element of like wow like this this person is like 
in, you know at the top of their game or like a it's master like of their craft. Pl- but- it's like you're playing a video game and you opened up a new part of the map when you meet when you when you're talking when you meet these people or when you're listening to these new forms of extreme technical music that we've come across throughout our you know journey to get here i feel like those are like the opening up the new section of the map on a video game where now we have new terrain to explore and 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 you know figure out and that was the spawn of possessions and all these other bands that we're talking about yeah i i mean i didn't even i couldn't even fathom how they were like playing so fast or even like someone like the harmonies and like like weird counterpoint choices like i just like didn't like hear they almost sound like classical music to me so like i just i couldn't even sort of fathom how they like could think that that shit up same thing with like listening to like a band like martyr like with like all their weird like shifting you know time signatures and mixed meter and like all this stuff um but Mashuga yeah. was like another one. Like, I mean, I remember like just I remember um getting the contradictions collapse record. And I'm like, man, like how do like, how are they so tight, but like playing like all these like off time random shit you yeah. know, things? And 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 obviously, like now, like people do like whole like breakdowns and you know, like YouTube tutorials on stuff, or like, you know, I've I've learned some of the stuff myself and um, you know, like a little bit of like the mystery gets removed, but yeah, like I don't know, like hearing just blazingly fast like double kick and blast beats like for the first time like it was just like a magical thing where i'm like like totally. is this is this human like like an actual person played this <laughs> yeah. like i can't even mm-hmm. can't even believe that so i don't know it's, it's just uh it's it's cool to have your your expectations of like what music is just like totally like turned yeah. upside down and like that's Let's like spawn was with so many ideas of uh, like like you said fast but so many ideas come like like 20 ideas in fucking like 30 seconds you yeah. know like you're just like it's just coming at you you're like what the fuck and it's just getting like it's like getting a hose to the face of death metal you're like i don't even i i need to listen to this for like a year to understand yeah. the the principle of what they're going by i have no idea where they're starting mm-hmm. i don't know the, the counterpoint stuff where they're going they go back into like melodic parts like in that song hidden in flesh where they go into a total melodic like weaving in and out counterpoint part and i'm like Oh my god, this is so like above mm-hmm. me. Almost, I do have that bug in me sometimes when I hear stuff like that, where I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> like, like, I do have that like that non-competitive side where I'm like, they've, they're, it's like, LeBron James came into the arena with you, and you're like, sick dude, I'm six one. He's like six nine and can run, jump over me, and like, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm gonna get crushed. I don't want to do. But uh, it no, definitely. Dude, how sick would it be sc- to score while? LeBron was out there on the court with you, though, dude. You got to fucking get out there and fucking man up, bro. I have to like throw it off his head or his hand somehow enough to have it go in the hoop. It's like, I don't know. Don't, anyways, but for the record, Anthony wants you to man up, Joel. Man up and get up <laughs> against spawn possession and shred, dude. Just fucking do it, dude. No, shred for sure. But so, I mean, so getting back into the timeline, though, but you're so you're getting in the technical stuff. So I could tell there's that thrash. I was mixing up X Hoarder with, um, What's that slaughter in the Vatican? That band? What's that band that's, called? That's X Order. X Order. Okay, okay. So is yeah. it fucking Pat in that band from Campbell Corpse now? Uh, he's filling in. Yeah, I. Um, oh, okay, okay. But we're yeah. talking about the Law, which was like what ninety three. But like 92? now they're touring now. Pat that, O'Brien's 91? like back. Pat O'Brien's back in like a band now. From actually, Pat O'Brien. This is another kind of a trip. Pat O'Brien yeah. and the X Order dudes came out to 
the show that I broke my fucking wrist at. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, like, like I was just shooting the shit. Like I didn't know like Pat was coming because I've toured with Pat before when he was in Cannibal. And yeah. uh, he just like rolls up. I'm like, oh, what's up, Pat? We just like kind of started shooting the shit. And then like the other X Order dudes came. Um, so I was talking with Kyle a little bit. And yeah, like that was that was the night I broke my wrist, like in front of all those dudes. God damn it. Uh, but still, you know, you fucking finished yeah, you the set. Finished so, it, you said. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, dude, that's... that showed him your uh, passion for your passion crap. for thrashing, dude. Yeah, <laughs> dude i've never heard that i'm gonna take it and run with it <laughs> but no that's that's like uh i mean we played shows with like you know we did tour with uh haiti turtle and stuff and seeing like eric rutan fuck up a bunch and have like a bunch of problems and then like go up to him after the show like fuck yeah dude good job <laughs> and like because <laughs> he didn't watch the set you're like dude what's up with that is, is that like now touring nowadays it's been probably 10 years since i've toured but like that used to the good set thing do you guys do good sets when you don't watch the set uh no i mean like well well like if, if, I'm on tour with a, if i'm on tour with a band and we're like playing like night after night like i don't feel like i need to be like oh good set dude if i didn't watch the set like i'll just be like oh how yeah. was the set yeah oh, okay that's smart yeah you know how was it for you and they'll be like oh you know this happened because yeah that way you don't run into like the, the fucking like right. oh, good set dude and, like the the amp blew up and like but um, I think oh, as yeah. a touring band, you all know that nobody's uh, it, we'll pay attention as much as we can. But things happen while, you know, various bands are on stage. That's our time to go do <laughs> some other shit, you know, <laughs> handle this, this and that before we get on stage, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, but the good set thing is pretty funny because it's like <laughs> it's like my it, thing. If he if he thinks you watch the set, it's sarcastic. Like, yeah, good set, dude. Right. Like, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> then he gets all even more. Mad. Like, he didn't watch it. He's like, oh, you're just saying good set. You didn't even fucking watch it. It's like, it's like, dude, we I was like a, Yeah, I yeah. was just like that's a part of the do, time. Every, how was the set? And then you. That's and a good. That's exactly, I didn't learn. Yeah. I didn't know that. So I'm like, you didn't watch the set? Well, fuck you, dude. I'm just kidding. That's what but, you uh, say. <laughs> I was the set. That's why you know. Jesus, should have learned that a long time ago. Uh, yeah, I just or, or you could go, you could go like this. You could go, good set. You know, question like mark, with a, with a question mark, good at set, the question end. mark. Kind of Larry yeah. David him a little bit. It's like, good set, yeah. good, good set. Like, yeah, this is very. <laughs> like, it sounds like a yeah. No, Larry wouldn't Larry even David care if it was a good set. He, he, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> yeah, he would, be he would definitely be like, "This is yeah. what we're supposed to do right now." Like, your enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So you so okay. So you're getting in that. So are you jamming with people at this point when you're de- going down the technical rabbit hole? Are you having like jam sessions? Are you covering songs? Are you writing? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm jamming. I'm I'm writing. Um, I'm I'm doing covers. Kind of all of the above. Um, you know, revocation. I think we put out like our first demo in like 2006. I want to say was the summon the spawn demo. Um, and then pretty much like ever since then it was like. I don't know, my, my number one focus was just working on that. I mean, we put out the our, our first record, Empire of the Obscene, I think in 2008. And then I want to say, like, we got signed shortly after that. And then Existence is Few talking about, like, 09. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So Phil Phil was the drummer of your band for Till When? Uh, so he was the drummer... Uh, so deathless was the last record that he was on okay i remember he would be 
he would end up every time decrepit would come through um what was it the awusta he would Wista. always be yeah. in the van just like with the joint <laughs> he's like oh in the band revocation how's it going i was like what? he just like jump in the van somehow and he was like talking about that's why i first heard about you guys was through him he like gave me maybe a demo or something like that and it was like the I think the last time i hung out with him was like the new england metal and hardcore fest we played or something but mm-hmm. um you guys were kind of i'm super stoked for you guys because you guys were kind of this like up and coming band all of a sudden just to me i mean i'm getting old so time's going fast now but you guys have earned your spot in like the headlining arena mm-hmm. now well do you miss like being kind of like an opener under a big or like a co spot under a big band or being the headliner because i hear a lot of bands complain about i know money's better at headlining but like as far as your day is concerned like being right under the headliner and having like less responsibility you don't have to hang out the whole night and then play and then the show's over when you're done would you rather have like you being under a bigger band or you guys headlining you know it's it's tough to say uh you know they're both they're both great i mean it's obviously an awesome feeling to like go out there and headline and you know you, you feel like you I mean you're able to play a longer set and you know you can yeah probably assume like the majority of the people are kind of you know there for you and like there's just like kind of like a an excitement like around that like i don't know headlining status you can kind of prove your metal too like all right you know we're going out here and we're like we're we're, we're seeing what uh you know what we're worth and it's and it's it's i don't know it's just like a good feeling i guess but um, like you feel like you kind of like have accomplished something, right? Like all of these years yeah. and like, yeah, now we're like we're at the top of the bill. Right. So mm-hmm. that's cool. But um, I mean, we're fortunate enough that, um, you know, we, we, we still can go out and support bands that are bigger than us and like have a great time. So like, I mean, we just did that Morbid Angel tour where we were supporting them, obviously, uh-huh. and, you know, Morbid's like a classic band and, um, you know, super cool dudes as well. Like really nice guys. So. Um, we, you know, we've gone out and supported Cannibal. We supported a lot of bands and we'll continue to do so. I mean, we're not one of those bands that, um, I don't know. We like, we're not like egotistical or anything like that. Like we want to go out and, and tour and have a good time. And, um, you know, if it, if it makes sense to do a support tour, we'll do a support tour. If it makes sense to do a, uh, to do a headline run, we'll do a headline run. And I think they, they just, they both have their pros and cons. Um, I mean, we've, we've gone out and, um, you know, open for kill switch before, um, yeah, yeah. We were, we were direct that, support, dude? direct support to Killswitch in Europe, and their tour was already sold out before they Jesus. even announced any support bands. Doesn't so there was literally me. like our fans didn't even have a chance to like buy tickets to like come see the show. So it was just all Killswitch fans. Now maybe there was like a, a small percentage of Killswitch fans that were already uh, familiar with us, or maybe were stoked that we were also playing. But I mean, it was primarily like we're like. Like when we go on toward like Morbid or, or Cannibal Corpse, there's probably already going to be some like revocation like shirts in the audience or you know revocation yeah. fans in the audience. But with Kill Switch, I mean, it was like we had to go out there and um, you know just just try to convert as many people as possible. That's what I was going to ask you. I'm like, yeah. dude, okay. One is going out and supporting Kill Switch in the states and supporting in the states, so you you would have that. Uh, in your favor but you know like a european kill switch engage crowd i don't really know where the crossovers happen with that i think they'd be more open right to yeah. like more extreme music because metal is more of like a, a you know the language they speak out there compared to america yeah i, I you're probably right dude you're totally right because i've i've not experienced it and it totally makes sense that 
they would be open to, you know, I mean, we, we get mixed up. Well, we used to get mixed up shows all the time where it'd be a different style of metal, every single band. So that, that stuff I'm used to, but I, I was just thinking of like revocation in the kill switch realm, how that was really received. You know, I don't think we, it wasn't like a hundred percent of fans were like, all in on revocation at the end of the night but i mean the crowds were so big that i mean even if you converted like i don't know 10 percent of people you know right. like 10 percent of you know four thousand is still like a pretty damn good number totally um, and like when we went out and did um our last headlining tour there was like a few people that came up to like the merch table or whatever and they're like oh i saw you with kill switch so like you know became a fan after that so i mean that's mm -hmm. exactly what you want um but like shout out to the kill switch guys because like i said they um, like their tour was already sold out so i mean they basically just like handpicked us just because like they wanted to bring us out um and they were all like such nice guys um and yeah just like like i don't know just super cool to be around and like they treated That's us fucking awesome like the catering on that tour was i mean i don't know if i'll ever experience food that good <laughs> it was almost every day they had like so cool. people coming out and just like cooking like just breakfast lunch and dinner and it was fucking fantastic so um, yeah, that was that was, that so was would a you, fun tour would you take that opportunity i know uh, rest in peace trevor trevor uh stern had did the same thing for me and casey when we were decrepit there the tour was already was the nocturnal like first nocturnal tour and it was already like 60 percent sold out and they just like asked us to come on because or trevor did because he wanted decrepit to he wanted it to be you know people to see it because it's kind of like an underground unique leader band and he was mm -hmm. would like let's say that you get that because you're getting more to the headlining thing are you going to start doing things like 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 calling up anata and be like get back together motherfuckers I need you. <laughs> or call, like yeah. call up like theory and practice like come on peter like get this shit back together let's see you know oh, is that like something that you'd be interested in doing like if you're like you know top of the game headlining that act would you try to contact the kind of like underground influences to kind of bring them out I mean, like, yeah, that would be sick. I mean, if like our tour is like, you know, selling out like 2,000 to 5,000 cat rooms, like pre-announcement of the rest of the of the lineup, then like, I mean, fuck yeah, I put together like whatever <laughs> like my dream team lineup was. Yeah, yeah. Just like, you know, like I don't like it would like only I would want to see it. Like, you know, just be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This all obscure, like this one yeah, black exactly. metal band, and then like this fucking tech band, and then yeah, yeah that'd be well, cool. That'd be really well, obscure lineup so, possible. Speaking of which, <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, the Cynic Atheist show that's going to be at Brick by Brick in San Diego, Paul specifically wants David, our old friend and old guitarist of Odious, to do a crazy ass, like dark electronic drum and bass, crazy weird set for the opening. And yeah, he, yeah. Like, there's this whole group text going on and shit and like he will not like he's like no i know david called david, me was david, like, freaking out. like i have to do it like so he like paul will not will not let him say no so, he, so he's gonna open that that fucking show like with like he's he's really he was yeah. like just i don't know how the crowd's gonna perceive it blah blah it's totally different yeah, style i'm like dude it, just dude. i mean i mean not get over it i understand his fears like you're going into a, a metal progressive crowd and you're doing like extreme yeah. jungle electric like I think it's get over on their genre. Paul Masvidal saying that's what I'm saying. You're never gonna forget it. Yeah, you gotta do it. Like, I mean, it's 
And so you should play drums on it. And I was like, how am I going to fucking, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. I could, but I'd be like, I'd be like, it's not like my wheelhouse. It's too close to buy the time to start working on that. Yeah, it's like June 4th or July 14th. I think June 14th. Yeah, you don't want to fuck with him now because Dave's already freaking out. It's like two weeks away. You can morph into a bop drummer, dude, and you could bop over that. Oh, that's it's drum and bass shit. I can't. You could bop that. over that though, dude. It's gonna be weird. Very, very. It translates very, very like. I, I, I felt it's better because Dave was he he was relieved because because he has like a whole thing set up that's like very super fucked up, like noises and odd time and weird shit, and it's and that's be the like, stuff that Paul was saying that yeah, he likes about yeah. This it's shit. be like, I'm I'm glad I don't have to like coordinate that in two weeks like it just makes <laughs> yeah 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 no but it would just do it does it and it's still has. cool that knowing that paul was like hey dude casey you should do yeah. some live drum shit over that yeah but but the thing is that like it was kind of funny because david kept like trying to like like i'm getting these like paragraph texts and shit and it's like dude, oh, yeah, it's he's like, freaking I, out. not a good idea and all this stuff and paul just, he's oh. gonna rip it dude Warbreaker, you're gonna fucking break wars all over <laughs> the world but shout out it. All right. All right. Well, in the middle of this, actually, uh, uh, David, so, or Dave, Dave or David, what do you like? You both? Doesn't matter. Dave. Dave. Dave Davidson has a good, has a good snap to it. More aerodynamic. Yeah. Yeah. David Davidson is way harder to say than Dave Davidson. Yeah. But, um, I've had my, like, damn, man, your signature guitars, like, first of all, I've always wanted a warrior. And then I've, I haven't had a seven string in since probably 10 years ago, at least. And then you released, that warrior seven string and i was like god damn it that's exactly what i want and i've had it like i've had my my finger like kind of hovering over the the buy button but um how did you connect with like jackson and how did you get that like uh going because first of all it's basically if i had like a signature guitar i'd probably do the same thing i'd probably do like a maybe a six and seven string version but um man that's a fucking sexy guitar and you keep coming up Mm -hmm. with like new versions of it right yeah yeah. Uh, firstly, um, you should buy it for sure. Um, <laughs> All right, send me a coupon code, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean Jackson. I've been working with them sort of since like the beginning. Um, well, I shouldn't say I've been working with them since the beginning. They. So my buddy Al, um, who played in um, Job for a Cowboy, Al Glassman. I don't oh, know yeah. Al. Yeah, yeah. He got me hooked up with Jackson. Uh, we did like our first music video was Dismantle the Dictator, like for the existence oh, yeah, of yeah. Uh, record. Fuck yeah. And I was playing a Ferrari Red War in that. My um my parents bought me that as a graduation present. Um, and that was just like my like baby. I never had like a USA guitar before. Yeah. So totally. um, it wasn't like custom shop, custom shop, but it was like, you know, it, it was it was like one of the USA models. So I was like super totally. stoked. Um and played that guitar. That was like my main main stage guitar. And yeah, I guess like I think probably back then, like no one was really playing the warrior. Like Dan Mongrain was playing a warrior. That was like yep. a big reason why mm-hmm. I, I went to that shape. Um, but there was it wasn't like a in vogue kind of uh body style back then. So I think Jackson was just kind of pumped that like someone was out there like like really repping that shape. Um and I remember like kind of early on they were they were they just seemed like really interested to work with me and like kind of also like put me in touch with other people so like um they put me in touch with with um with Demarzio and I got endorsement through them um but yeah I just I think I don't know I just like developed like a good rapport with them over the years uh-huh. they like fly me out to Nam and I would do like 
signings and things like that and like you know mm-hmm. shoot the shit with uh the different dudes and i just like really like got along well with everyone that works at that company um and i remember just like one nam um I don't know if they kind of brought it up and kind of hinted at it, like, oh, maybe next year we should talk about this. But and I like just the, the timing seemed right, and I just kind of like decided to like shoot my shot. And they were they were all about it. They're like, yo, let's let's do a uh, let's do a signature model. Um, so yeah, the first one was like this uh, kind of charcoal black stain, um, seven string warrior, and then we did like a uh, pro series red, spinoff red from one. that. And then I went back and did like a roasted ash uh, yeah. model uh, and did like a little bit of a spinoff from that one. And now I'm uh, kind of come full circle and I'm back to like the OG Ferrari red style, but as like my signature and it's a seven string. And um, you know, we changed up some things. Obviously, it's got the like, piranha inlays and of like the bigger shark fins. It's got a five piece neck. Um, it's got my signature DiMarzio pickups in it. So um, they what are they called? What are, what are the signature DiMarzios called? Uh, a cult classic that's right awesome awesome mm-hmm. so i mean um, with you going through the journey of you know like designing a guitar because also you know you know what you like and you know you're playing with tone woods and stuff like that and pickups and doing that like what have you learned coming from your like initial because if i were to have a chance to do a signature one i'd probably have a million ideas and try one and be like oh, i could change this change that what have you like like come as far as woods are concerned, have you changed woods in your guitar? Your have you necks have you changed like as far as the woods and the necks? And do you think tonality really uh, does it really change much, especially with high distorted guitars with woods and necks? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I guess I've played guitars that have sounded maybe darker or whatever, like um, like maybe like mahogany. Guitar like, like I had a mahogany warrior. I have a mahogany warrior that's like like a spalded maple top on it. That one maybe kind of seemed a little bit darker to me. But like that that one had like um, I think that one had like a different like Floyd Rose like bridge on it. So like there's just so many like factors to things, you know, when it comes yeah. to that kind of stuff. And like and, and even like wood itself is is I mean it's an organic thing. It, it's never gonna be the same. So yep. I, like pickups, your amp obviously like the tone of your hands like like I'll, like I'll give you an example like when i was first working on my um signature pickups with demarzio um i recorded like i had a bunch of different demarzio pickups that they had sent me and i was like and they're pa- they're passive right yours are passive yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay and they were i was actively swapping them out and i was recording i had like i don't know a deactivator and like a steve special and just like just like a bunch of different pickups and i would record like little snippets of like the same riff and I was sending it out to um, Steve Blucher, who like was like the guru behind like, you know, a lot of those pickups there. Um, and like being like, OK, I like this about that and this about that or, or whatever. And it's funny, Steve hit me back and was like, yeah, like, are you sure these are all different pickups? And I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> they, they definitely are. And he was like, yeah, oh, that's so weird. Um, he's like, I think you're like adjusting your playing style like ever so slightly because you have a certain sound in your head oops and he was like (laughs) the only other person i've seen do that was like paul gilbert um which was like i was like oh shit and like you know i mean obviously paul gilbert's got like just like crazy technique but he's like his tone is so like fucking you hear it out of the amp so you're changing your hands you're like you can hear like okay i need to hit a little harder on this i need to do a little softer on this exactly so um 
but you know he took all that into consideration and that was my first um signature picket was the imperium that we work with but yeah i like so like t- like tone woods and stuff like that i mean it's not like an acoustic guitar right i mean you're like totally. you're fucking going into a high gain amp with distortion and all this stuff so you're gonna get way more differences in tone out of um you know the, the the pedals that you're using and stuff like that. I mean, certain guitars, like certain vintage guitars, just have like mojo and shit. Like you know, I've I've played a '59 Les Paul that was fucking half a million dollars, and it yeah. it, it had a vibe to it. You know, you're like, wow, this is like sick. And I've played like vintage Strats before that, like certain ones, just like they just have. There's just something there, but also some of that could be the electronics too. Electronics, like certain yeah. of those, like. The, mm-hmm. the metals and the alloys and the solder, even the soldering. It's just, they were just made of different components back then, different shit. So, um, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it's not like none of it matters, but I think when some people are like so obsessed with like the tone mm-hmm. woods and stuff like that, like, okay, like, like, like I'll give you another example, like near Felder. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's like a jazz fusion guitar player. He's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. The shit he plays is ridiculous, and I've seen him play live and on record. His tone is fucking sick, and he'll do stuff like he'll play clean, but then he'll play like kind of dirty. Um, yeah. He's not playing like with death metal tone. Anyway, my yeah. point is he he plays like a you know like a Mexican Strat or something. Yeah, you know it's mm-hmm. not like this like custom shop thing. Like the guitar he plays is probably like five hundred dollar guitar. Yeah, and totally. he has the uh, he's huge now, like in 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 that scene, and like I'm sh- I'm sure he has people he could get like a sick boutique guitar company to like make him a guitar exactly, exactly and he yeah. still sticks with like the like you know what he's comfortable with and it sounds but it sounds amazing and plays amazing so you know who gives a shit and i've heard like stories about that with like um with steve Vai too before where like you know he said he's gone into like you know guitar center or something like that and just like picked up some like you know lower end model strat and for whatever reason it just like that yeah that wood and that guitar the combination sounded sounded great so yeah um, i believe that for sure well i've been hearing like i mean uh there was this one actually fuck i've talked about it once before on the pod but there was this one guy that was like doing uh, an experiment and it was tone woods and it was with electronics and he basically went down to like try you know basically would swap out pickups and with the same wood give you samples and then he went down to like having a, a table with a pickup on it with no wood <laughs> like yeah. i mean like there was basically it was like holding, before i remember yeah, this floating yeah. pickup and no wood and then they had you like they, they did a blind sample going like okay this is like the most fanciest whatever you can think of like but being whatever you can think of like fanciest what you can think of most expensive and then here's the table with no wood and it was like the same and i was like yeah. god damn it yeah well it may not have used to be that way but now with like technology it's electronics are just so dominant i think that's what you're talking about like the because i used to work at guitar center you know 15 years ago and i remember we had a 56 strat that was you know 50 grand or something and uh i remember playing it and i was like plugged it in i'm like this thing sucks i don't like this but i mean like it just didn't it wasn't my vibe i wasn't going for country western that's kind of what what they were kind of more going for but i picked up just this cheap like the cheapest telecaster i forget the something classic vibe or something and i was like this is my favorite guitar i've ever played in my life and it's like a 200 dollars guitar you know as far yeah. as the neck how it sounds like i can get i could put a hot rod to pick up if i wanted yep. to but just you like being involved with like putting out guitars and what you've learned i was just kind of poking out there to see if there's anything that 
has blown your mind about you know working with luthiers and stuff and, and finding out things about guitars that you didn't think you'd find out yeah i mean i will say like in terms of like like quality of wood and all that kind of stuff i mean i think there's other things that aren't just like you know tone i mean like there's the stability of the of the of the neck yeah, right traveling like, you know, like yep. quarter son, quarter sawn maple is going to be like a much like you know stronger intact mm -hmm. piece of wood than you know if you if you buy some cheap guitar and like the the wood's got like a bunch of like knots in it and shit like that so um or like you know a beautifully like figured wood grain that's like you know the top like the i don't know like the a5 wagyu of of wood where it just like has all this crazy marbling and stuff like that like visually uh -huh. is going to be you know way more insane to look at than like um i don't know just something that's just you know bottom of the barrel like random piece of like driftwood or some shit so um mm. i guess that um th there's there's the point i'm trying to make is there's there's more factors than, than factors just yeah. only right. the tone there um and obviously traveling like metal like extreme metal i mean the warrior shape like people aren't gonna be really you know probably not gonna be fucking playing jazz on that thing anytime soon so like <laughs> there's going to be gain and and pedals and like you know all that other stuff that that comes into play that's going to um you know affect the the tone of the guitar right. you know much I was just, more i was going to think about are you just made me think about uh, you know the other aspects of it that i never really considered which is just like what looks dope to you as a player if you're going to have a guitar or anything i want it to be something that i think looks sick too so it's just like the wood may not have anything to do with how it sounds versus what it looks like to you looks like to you because it it's your weapon of choice you're like oh dude this is sick dude this is this is my axe you know one thing like uh, dave made a good point is like you have to travel with it so like if you're if you have like a you know a certain like the knots and stuff i haven't even looked into that but like if you travel you know put it on a plane you travel and like it could pressure warping that could happen there's yeah. like you know temperature, temperature differences changes, stuff like that yeah. like that like with the different wood grains i haven't really Humidity, thought about all yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah like like those those like um my signature usa models those are like custom shop um builds and like like mike shannon um or or um or joe williams usually uh the two of them will build them but you know i think before joe came on board i mean mike shannon's been with jackson for years he used mm -hmm. to build like guitars for like fucking randy Rhodes back in the day so Jesus. like first of all you get like his level of like craftsmanship there so like yes they're like hand selecting like the best quality woods for whether it's for tone or stability or or, or whatever like they're you know choosing the best wood from the pile for like those type of instruments because they you know they fetch a much higher uh price tag but you also have like a craftsman like mike behind that guitar hand making it so like there's there's that level of expertise there so it's not it's not just like sort of the in i think of like i don't know like a master chef could probably make like a five dollar cut of steak taste amazing and mm -hmm. you know a shitty chef could you know destroy like the nicest cut of beef that right yeah that's a way to cost put it. like a thousand dollars so there, yeah. there's there's so many components right that, that go into it mm -hmm. um so you know it's it's not just yeah it, it's the materials are there for sure but i mean i mean even just like you know certain certain guitars if they're on like a if they're they're less expensive or cheaper like 
you know, they're not going to have like even like the tuning pegs might be like a little bit shittier or like the bridge might totally. kind of suck a little bit more. So like having like the best of the best um, sort of across the board and then giving all of those great ingredients to a master builder, um, you know, some real, some real magic's gonna, gonna happen there. But with, with certain guitars, just to get back to the tone thing for a second, like I will say, like, I, th I, th I think it depends on the style of guitar that you're going for. Like, Again, if it's something like a like a jazz guitar that's going to be like semi hollow or, or or like fully hollow, like there's there's just like a different resonance that's that's happening there. Mm. You know, it's not like it's um, I don't know the wood maybe like sort of breathes in a different way because like the the body cavity is is hollow. I remember watching a um, a YouTube video, I think it was on like I forget the luthier, um, but he was like you know some master builder jazz guitar guy and he like feels each like piece of wood and it was crazy. Like, like it was on the video and like, he was kind of like rubbing down like different necks. He's like, okay. And then like he grabbed one and he rubbed it and just like, it just almost had this like harmonic kind of overtone to just him, like Jesus like, rubbing the wood. And like, he looked at the camera and he's like, this is going to be a good one. And I was like, damn, like <laughs> yeah. I felt that too. So it's, so, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many factors that 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 go into it, and you gotta um, rub that wood. Yeah, you gotta rub down. You gotta rub, that, you gotta rub <laughs> that wood. Yeah. So I mean, and, for you traveling and stuff, are you? I see a what? You have a fifty-one, fifty-three behind you. I yeah, I got, I got a few amps here. I got like a vintage um, Fender Deluxe. Um, nice. I got uh, like the fifty-one, fifty there, like a two by twelve, and then I got like the combo amp that uh, EVH started making. I think it was. A couple years ago, they they released this combo amp. Um, so that's kind of oh, it's EVH like, with fifty one fifty now. It used to be the the PV, right? They had that combo fifty one fifty for a long time. Yeah, they well, the the, behind... they, they, PV still yeah. makes fifty one fifties, but um, uh, as far as I know, this I don't know this EVH um, I got... thing is like it's within the last like year or so. I got that. PV are you are you touring with the? Oh yeah, that's right. You have that combo one that like one twelve. Is it a one twelve? Yep. Like combo. It is yeah, a yeah, one twelve. Yeah. yeah. Both of you guys have it. Yeah. This, yeah. Are you using like on the road? Or are you doing like uh amp modeling and stuff like that? Or no, I, I use EVH for live too. We're like rolling with like full stacks usually and and like hundred watt heads. But I like the fifty watt heads too because you can kind of cook them a little bit hotter. It's funny because like that's like a gangster move now. It's like, do you have fucking heads? Dude? <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're not you're not bringing your Kemper model. Like you have your old. You guys made it. Like what's going on? <laughs> how much taller the trailer needs to be though? If they don't, have, I know, I know. Yeah, they're, like, they're just like we don't even need a trailer, dude. The drummer of Gargoyle was breaking my balls the other day because he was just yeah. like, dude, when are you gonna go to? Uh, he's he's like um, a little younger than me, and he's like, when are you gonna go to fucking? Kempers or like yeah. ant mollers, dude. Breaking, you're breaking your, you're getting old now. You're just gonna like you're gonna throw your <laughs> yeah. back up, moving those things around. Uh, yeah, he's not wrong, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something about those. pushing air on stage. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, like you need that on yeah. stage, right? I mean, you don't need it, but like it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do like, need it, damn it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I mean, mean, it's more of a are, want, but I don't know about need. But <laughs> if you have the fucking, yeah. Ford, you have the the logistics to carry that shit around, then fuck yeah, do it. That, are we are we admitting that we're like the last generation of that, or do you think that it all it'll be everything comes in waves? Like a, you know, it's it, what's in vogue now is gonna be, so, um, like I don't know. Like I remember, um, like some like the first 
crew of dudes that were really into like the digital stuff, like good buddies of mine, like 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 Nisha and Tosin. They were like really kind of oh, into yeah. the digital side of stuff. Yeah. And then like yeah. I went to go see animals play and like Tosin was like showing me his whole rig and he was like going through like a Morgan amp and he had like 50 pedals on stage. I'm like, mm -hmm. I thought you had like the whole thing. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm doing this now. So it's it's I, I feel like yeah. things get popular and like everyone's talking about like the new actually there's a there's a composer that is like um just like mind-blowing um uh god damn uh what is his name um morgan oh well, i gotta i gotta look him up is that, the, is that the one that nate was talking about a bunch god mm. talking uh, no, no, no. No. No, no. Okay. and uh yeah he said nothing gets old faster than a new sound which yeah. I always thought was cool because he was like working with like synthesizers and stuff like that back in the day, like back when they would like take up like an entire fucking room. Um, yeah. And, and he composed like, you know, some really great pieces using those synthesizers, but like he didn't like use them as like a crutch. Like he already had like obviously like an immense skill as a composer and he mm -hmm. used that as an extra thing to supplement other things that he was hearing to kind of bring new sounds in. But I think he realized that the, the, the trap that you can fall into when you just kind of like, you know, you only rely yeah. on the voice, just like the, you know, someone that buys like a $50,000 vintage strat, you know, some like lawyer, but they fucking sound like shit and can't play. Anything, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It does yeah. get to the point where you hit the border between your abilities and what's in your hands versus the equipment you have. It's kind of like what you were saying earlier. I mean, we've heard people say it before is like the, the tones in your hands. I remember when, uh, because Casey and I, or no, were you on that? I don't think you might have not been on that tour, but it was to, it was Tosin's first, one of his first tours with Animals Leaders on Summer Slaughter, and him and Javier had those those uh, axe effects, and they were like, there was no web, or there was no computer interface. They were just like, no, dude, just go <laughs> take these little blocks, and they were like moving them, and I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, that looks insane, but they were like, it's the sickest thing ever. You, you have to learn it, and I was like, yeah, uh, I'll just do the dials on the front. I don't know what to do with all that, and like once the, the actual computer interface came out and i was like all right that makes a little bit more sense but they were doing it on the screen that was this big and they were tosin just like, tosin yeah. was fucking with yeah. the pedal shit even in reflux dude he because there was no second guitar player in reflux live on mm -hmm. on record you'd hear rhythm guitar underneath his solos and stuff but he would set it up to where he'd you know, record his rhythm live and loop it so he could solo over it. And he was doing mm -hmm. all that with his feet. And that's kind of like, yeah. And no, it, uh, so I'm sure ahead. just, uh, just from him doing that in reflux, that that's how long it's been since he, he'll probably, he's always been using pedals. Like yeah. That. No, he's always yeah. been like on the cutting edge of trying to some, find something new, just like, Ever and, since like long time ago when I met him, just like he's like, check out this slap. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you like, no, <laughs> no one can do that. And like, we're not Victor Wooten on guitar, dude. <laughs> and like, and then it's like, I remember we did a tour with them, and like maybe a year later, the cover of Guitar World. I'm like, all right, maybe it's fine. And, like Steve I was showing up to our shows and shit, and I was like, shit. Uh, Steve I's son's like a big death metal guy too, and be like, hey. like Steve I watching your set, like a death metal set, just going. I'm like, God, could my dad would be mad right now because <laughs> my dad's all into that like you know dad like satriani kind of like bouncy fun shreddy stuff you know and uh but no tosin there's been times where he's been like joel do you want a lesson i was like no nah, dude 
<laughs> for whatever reason i was like tired or something and like looking back after like oh that would have been sick i probably should have taken that up but no he's always been on the cutting edge of him and misha and stuff have always been pushing like different kind of electronic sounds but it does kind of always go back to like if you're in a death metal band like you know two bamps kind of win and i don't want to say it because i have my fractal right here but it's uh it's fine i like me and matt satello from decrepit would come over and have like amp wars he like brings over like an old school amp that was used on death's whatever album and then another old school amp that was the the black album you know uh mesa boogie and then i have my little um fractal and i'd be like trying to outdo him and i, I did a couple times but he's like i don't know the overdrive pedal's broken he'd be like, sitting there like, like trying to figure it i'm like that's what I thought, motherfucker. What, dude? Fractal. Uh, back in the day, though, <laughs> I was like trying to flex on him. But that live sound that you get pushing from, like, if I were if I were to ever do like a fractal setup live, it would be miking. Even though miking a cab with a fractal going through it, do you think that would even like sound anywhere near the same? Does people go Metallica front of the house? Use... Oh, Metallica uses pretty much the same. I mean, they did same they setup, the Matrix and stuff, shit, right? Okay. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm not a professional. It's like me cutting that expensive slice of meat and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing kind of thing. Like what Dave was yeah. saying earlier. I'm like, got the sick knife and like the meat's there and I'm just wrong Can't angle. You, just have, just like, like, <laughs> you could have like amps on the stage and the shit. You can't do both. Is it too much? Um, You can't. I mean, the amps on the stage are usually monitors for themselves, I would think. Yeah. Right? It's probably not yeah. what, going out what in front of the house. What do you think about that, Dave? Like how... Is it like one or the other, or can you mix? I've never know. owned a fractal. I have no fucking idea. Um, but <laughs> we're like offending him by saying fractal. <laughs> He's like fucking, fucking fractal. <laughs> I mean, look, they're sick. Like, I mean, I, I, I would, I would definitely like like to fuck around with one. But um, you know, campers too. Like, um, I'm not like I'm not hating on that gear. I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. Just, just for me. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm like kind of like a caveman and just like to just, you know. Like you were saying, I have like the the knobs like on the front. I can see it. Nothing's digital there. Um, but like, I mean, I would definitely love to like check one out and like, you know, use it in the studio or something like that, just to see like how it goes. Um, I'm not saying I'll never use them live. I just just for me, like, I like the sound that I get out of uh, like two bands. It's like a comfort. It's like a comfort. It's a you. comfort thing, exactly. But yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And and the technology is like getting better and better. Like I mean, I I did a Kemper um, pack for this company Tone Crate, and like honestly, like the shit sounded fucking awesome. Like they flew me out to like Texas, and they had like a whole studio there, and they just like profiled like a bunch of amps. And um, I mean, I had like I had like a hard time like like we a beat them. Like damn, that shit's like really dialed in, and I'm sure it's only gonna get even better as like the weirdo like algorithm ai shit like makes it better and better and better and better um but yeah there's something about the 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 cabinet on stage like pushing that air um i don't i don't know how fractals work so i would assume you could go into a cab and also have a line out to like the the front of house but i know most people usually just like have the fractal and it goes to the to the pa and like you know i thought the whole point of those was to eliminate the cabs on stage but um i maybe they have a way to do both i mean i'm sure they have a, a few outs on the back but i've never um i've never really done like a deep dive into those i'm torn so you mentioned 
Uh, wait, wait let me just go on this real quick. I'm torn in this area because I'm, you know, I'm 38, so I'm only a couple of years older than you. So I, you know, grew up in the 90s and Mesa Boogie and real I'm 40, fucking... so I'm totally <laughs> So guitar heads and all that kind of like shit is just like natural to me seeing all that oh, stuff yeah, on stage right. and all that, you know, I don't yep. know anything about gear. But there's also a side of me that at this age, I also embrace like innovation as well in certain aspects. And I'm like, this is just natural human progression is like figuring out the easier way of doing things, you know? So I don't know where it really is right now, but I'm like, okay, that's to where somebody can put whatever head and and cab in somebody's living room through a computer and good speakers. He's a vocalist, just... by the way. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. <laughs> is it a better set of tires? Like, do this these is, tires this is... match your car is so much better? Ha, like, ha, ha. So funny. But you, you, the point I'm making is so true, which is humans are always trying to make it to where we can do things faster and faster. And if you're putting a Mesa boogie in everybody's living room. As soon as they can just click a few buttons and then play on their guitar, they're on a Mesa boogie versus going out and buying it. That's just well, like a, where we're naturally always yeah. trying to go. We're always a trying to go or to uh, like a, you know, like a Kemper. I mean, to me, it's the way to think about it. It's like, it's like a Tesla or something like, you know, there's the, there's that old muscle car that people like. And then there's the Tesla that's streamlined has a faster, like might go faster on the off the kick, but like overall, like there's muscle cars that can kind of compete with it, and it's kind of like what people have been doing for a long time. So people are like, he's a car guy, so I have to do it in car terms. But uh, yeah, you're so... doing it wrong because I'm <laughs> over here in my head, like he's comparing a fully electric vehicle to an old yeah. muscle car. No, you don't. Yeah, to... a, a, a electric tube, or no, a tube like amp that uses tubes, like vacuum yeah. tubes, yeah. versus like a battery powered. I power. understand all that. Yeah, it's I like and it's like smoother, that. slicker, um, easier to like carry around. Even though Teslas are pretty heavy, I guess. But mm -hmm. um, like as far as traveling wise, it's the only reason why I think that kind of stuff really makes sense. Is like no, I know. And I'm just going, putting it into where we we're like we don't have to actually make the heads. We could just make a program that will almost get to being those heads. It's like a almost. Yeah, almost is huge for me. Like, uh, I mean, I totally hear you on like the technology and stuff like that. And like I said. I, I'm not like, you know, this Luddite where like I'll never embrace like new technology and like I'm not I'm not saying like I'll never use those. Um, it's it's more of a comfort thing for me live. But I mean, I'm already using like that technology at home, like like for the last revocation record. I mean, I tracked it all myself and I was just using like neural plugins like the entire plugins, time to track yeah. it. Now we went and like reamped after the fact. Um, <laughs> but as far as like just like getting like a usable tone, like rather than, yeah, like mic up a cabinet and fucking have to deal with all that stuff like. I've got my like Gojira. Yeah, I, got, I just got yeah, Gojira. Yeah, that yeah. one's fucking sick. It sounds so good. So and I like, I, you I know, I too. tweaked it so I have like my presets. So I've got, and and then the cool thing about that is like, you know, once you have like, I don't know, yeah. Dave's guitar tone one or whatever, like you save that and it's always there. No one's gonna bump yep. the microphone. And because I was yeah. actually pretty paranoid recording the record, like, like I didn't want to mic it up myself because like I was just nervous, like I wasn't gonna do it the right way or or like someone bumps the. The, the mic and it gets moved ever so slightly and like i wasn't paying attention and then like you know if i go to like each song sounds a little bit different or something like that yeah. so i just figured like if i do it all in the box and just get like the di 
like as a solid signal, I can then shoot that out to whoever it was Jen's blogger that ended up mixing it. And he can just have just the dry signal and go from there. So that to me was really um, like just like super useful and like a game changer, like the, the plug-in shit. Um, but it's yeah, a different get, environment, obviously, like tracking at home with like studio monitors or headphones versus like being on a stage and competing with a drummer that's like beating the shit out of the kit. Yeah. Do you find it more comfortable to be like at home? Just jam. I mean, it's like you're in your room, your comfort spot, like recording wise versus being in like a studio. Oh, oh, as far as like, re like recording goes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess. That Did you reamping like when, with albums? Are you doing reamping for albums or are you, are you going directly in the studio and just doing it there? Or are you doing the, the tracks at home and then reamping them in the studio? So the, the, the last record was the first record that I recorded like um, or engineered, I should say, like all myself. So it, it, I guess it was more comfortable because I was like, you know, in my own like space and I wasn't like, you know, in someone else's studio and like time is money there kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was it was my first time doing it so that it, it like uh, presented like a whole other slew of like challenges. Like if something mm -hmm. went wrong, like I it was my first time ever like dealing with that. So I had like kind of get out of my workflow and like look up YouTube tutorials of like, why is this happening in logic? Or like, I didn't even like really know you could like auto punch until like the record was done. Oh, damn. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, Oh, I could do it that way. Like that's so much easier than how I was doing it. Um, so like things like that, that could have just like really helped my workflow. Um, if I had a, like, I've worked with Zeus before tracking, he did like our, our last few records and, um, you know, it's kind of nice just having someone at the helm and like you like you don't have to worry about anything going wrong from a recording side of things. Um, or if some or if a, if a hiccup does happen, like he's seen it a million times and it's like, oh, yeah, I just got to like reboot and then we'll be good. Um, mm -hmm. So. It was, I guess, like, yes and no to that to that question, because. Um, yeah, there was just there were certain elements that were very challenging because I was doing it all myself. But then I guess there were certain elements where like. I could kind of breathe easy, like because I was doing it myself. Yeah, yeah. So um, you mentioned schooling and stuff too. Uh, did I read that you went to Berkeley? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I got my degree from did, Berkeley. What 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 did you get your uh, degree in? Uh, it was just called professional music. It was just kind of basically um, like a choose your own adventure major. I took okay. some like a lot of performance based classes, um, a little bit of music business. Um, some education courses definitely nice. so it was not based in theory it was kind of just more in the kind of like production side of it or was it no i, I didn't overall. take really any production classes at all um, i would call that like more general of aspects of being in the music industry you know learning a little bit of the business yeah yeah i mean I've, i mean theory you have to learn there no matter what like you have to take four years of music theory um I took some piano courses cause I was studying, uh, teaching. So like, that's like a prerequisite. I had to like, learn like, uh, fucking like clarinet and, you know, shit mm -hmm. like that. Like would, would, um, read instrument, um, classes. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was like cool guitar, uh, performance based classes. Um, again, I could kind of choose my own adventure there. So, so that, be, that is kind of like, the way they're trying to do it is where you dip your toes in various ponds of music, right? 
that was just the, that was just the major I chose. I mean, okay. you can you can go full on music education. You can go on full on music business. You can go full on performance. You okay. could do full on like film scoring, composition. Um, I think now I'm sure the major has or or the major options have changed over the years. Like I'm, I'm almost entirely possible they have like probably just like a full on like electronic music major mm -hmm. where you're probably working with ableton and you know things like that and you know more do they have like metal or extreme metal courses that you can take there oh yeah yeah i mean I, you know, joe stump is like the og there i mean he's like shred master so i took um i took more of my courses with him actually when i was in high school though um oh, because okay. like i so i went to an arts high school um it was my first time like learning jazz and all that kind of stuff but um there was a berkeley summer program um, that normally would cost money, but because like Berkeley was sort of like uh, the, the school I went to was kind of like a feeder school for all of these other like arts colleges. So Mass Art and Berkeley and Emerson, it was kind of meant to like keep local Boston talent like within the Boston area. Mm -hmm. um, so like we would get like stipends and stuff like that to go like we could take like Berkeley courses and shit like that or not everybody like some some people like chose other avenues obviously but like i could go to like the summer program and basically like attend it for free um and then yeah. even when i was like a senior i was able to um like actually just start taking like berkeley college courses um wow. so 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 a lot of my like private lessons with with joe stump who was like the metal guy there i i would i had like more like i was like 16 17 like 18 like during like summer break, I would go into like, it was called the five week program. Um, and I would study with him there. I took like, I think like one or two classes, um, with, with Joe and I think a semester of private lessons when I was at Berkeley. But by that point I already had like, um, gotten like so many kind of lessons with him that, mm -hmm. um, I just kind of wanted to sort of branch out and, um, study with different, with different people. That's awesome. Yeah, Actually, uh, Casey, there's a there's a link here with this band. I don't know if you know. Uh, rad, dude. I know that's awesome. By the way, that's fucking. Yeah. I, have, I have a friend, uh, Matt Loftus. He has like, oh, he yeah, went, but he's he's like yeah. obsessed with learning. He has like seven degrees from Berkeley, and he has like nine degrees in astrophysics. He's like in a degree a whole like, but he always told me how crazy uh, Berkeley was. But one thing that we have a link with all of us is that, um, so that Black Dahlia tour on Three Inches of Blood, Ash was the drummer. And so, and Ash is now your drummer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Ash literally, like I was walking, went to see you guys in Santa Cruz kind of recently. Alluvial was supposed to stay here. Their van broke down or something. And uh, I was like walking up the stairs and I see Ash. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And he was <laughs> like, what the fuck? We had like a what the fuck moment. And uh, he was three inches of blood's drummer. And now he's drumming with you guys. And I was like, holy shit, dude. What? The? Like, I haven't seen him. He was like a young buck, like coming up back in the three inches of blood days. And now he's your drummer. How did you meet him? And how did you come into contact? He's a great dude. I love that guy. Yeah, he's awesome and an incredible drummer too. Um, yeah, met him uh, when we were on tour with Three Inches of Blood. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's a that's a pick right there, man. But anyways, me and Casey toured with them back in the day, and that's I was so stoked to see him like joining such a sick band, and I'm glad you have <laughs> such a, a great drummer. And I'm drunk I have to pee. Love you. Guys. That's all good. I was just gonna say one quick thing that I wanted to mention with connections is uh while i was going to pee i heard you uh mention al glassman from goratory right oh yeah goratory he was in disguise so I've, job. 
Yeah, dude. He he's he's another great dude that I came across very early in my uh metal upcomings and uh it was 2004 Maryland Death Fest and Goratory was playing and he was at the same hotel as us M- Motel 6 nearby or whatever and the late night hangs after the show would always be this one group and Al was one of them and me and my group, we were all in it too. And then coming across Al playing with job for a cowboy too. I was like, wow, this is so crazy how things just get like interwoven. And then you, you kind of like loop back and meet each other again. And then, Oh, this is what you're up to, which by the way, if you don't know about Goratory, you need to dig on some Goratory shit, Cali Death fans, because that's some serious technical. Rice on Suede is like I was just gonna say Rice a on wild fucking album, dude. Yeah. It's such a wild, wild album. I'm pretty sure Adam just like totally like freeballed all the uh, the like, vocals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like like there's, there's lyrics like in the booklet. But like I think he just was like just totally improving it like the entire oh, time, yeah. and then awesome. wrote lyrics after the fact. Yeah, dude. But I, I, I love that. I love that album. I love that band, and I love Al. So shout out Al. I don't know if it'll get to you, but there you go, bro. Shout out. Um. All right, let's get back on to uh, where are we at. Where did we get into like the timeline of? bands before revocation though or are we just now we're just should we just fast forward since we're already two hours in should we just be in the current times now uh yeah i mean i feel like we could be stay current yeah all right let's do that so um the new record dude there's a lot of really good i mean this that when i meant when i mentioned earlier in the beginning tastefully technical i love this tastefully technical group of bands that I kind of think that like, you know, you could lump alluvial you just mentioned or uh, decapitated or like you might want to call them like a precursor to this tastefully technical situation that's going on. And I, I really like it because it's, it's, you're playing with how technical you can make it while still keeping it groovy. That is, I think the sweet spot that I think why I'm talking about it now over two decades into being a, de- a metalhead now, like, Oh dude, the, the code has been cracked where you can be technical and have a deep groove at the same time and feel both of those things at the same time i think that's what we're trying to do right now and you everybody's achieving it now and revocation is one of those bands for me that is achieving this this perfect blend of groove and technicality and Quovatus is one of those bands too that i i actually see as i don't know if that's an influence on the new album but there's one song i forget which one it is nihilistic something where i'm i'm getting a big uh a nice healthy heap of quovatus in that song uh yeah nihilistic violence um there you go i mean yeah quovatus were a sick band 
Uh, we we toured with them back in the day. Jesus, uh, you toured with them? Holy fuck! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> as well. Um, um, nice. I don't know if like necessarily they were uh, an influence for that song specifically, but I mean, I guess that's the cool thing about influences is sometimes you know they're they're more subconscious, and you mm -hmm. know, music at a certain point too is like different people can kind of draw their own conclusions with things. Um, I think, I think subconscious, you can actually get a more natural like influence shown because it's subconscious you know if you're yeah. trying to be a band it might not come out as natural and organic but no matter what dude art as artists our influences are always gonna come to the surface at some point you know mm -hmm. um but yeah thank you so much for you know all the kind words there I, um yeah we're we've been doing it for quite a while uh and i think we just continue to further define ourselves with every release that we put out um you know certainly there's the the technical element to our music but um yeah i don't want it to be like technical for the sake of technicality i, I mm -hmm. wanted to really mm -hmm. enhance the music um certainly we we love to groove and we love to like lock and do a good pocket um i think it just creates contrast and that to me is sort of i don't know i guess one of the driving factors of revocation is to you know kind of continue to grow our sound like obviously we're sort of under a certain umbrella of, of of death metal and thrash metal um but having that that progressive quality to it um that allows us to i don't know just constantly bring new elements to the table i, I never want people to feel like they know what they're going to expect when a new revocation record comes out um i i want them to always have some element of surprise there where like you know, we, we brought in some influence and that, uh, I don't know, hopefully hits hard and is, you know, great in a live setting and all that, but also hopefully, um, yeah, just makes people feel something and, 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 and gives them that sort of jolt of energy or, uh, you know, element of surprise that kind of, we were talking about sort of at the very beginning of the interview, um, you know, where you, where you hear something that just like connects with you on like a sort of an emotional level, um, yeah before you can fully translate it yeah, yeah. that's Definitely. awesome dude i mean you guys have always had a like kind of kind of like a thrash bass i've always like the first that first song you were talking about in the probably post or pre-pod um maybe on the pod but like the first your first like hit or your first music video that you did like it was thrash but then there was parts where you're doing like weird tapping parts. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? And all the like tech guys were like, all the thrash guys were like, fuck yeah. But all the tech guys were like, their ears were like, they're like, what? what's going on? Yeah, like, that's what it's you know? all about. It's like, it's kind getting of like, those two, those two groups together, you know? Yeah. So outside of like uh, thrash and stuff and, and death metal, um, like who are your favorite like fusion jazz People yeah, are like non-metal looks non I, I can tell the way you play that you have a ton of influences i can tell there's like all over the probably like you know aldemio i don't know all over the place um who are your like top three not to do the top three thing which everyone fucking does but as far as the like uh technical guitar players or progressive guitar players or songwriters that yeah, you would say that are awful. outside of metal um it's uh, just guitar players yeah, uh, you can go wherever you want with that. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, John Coltrane, um, mm -hmm. Kurt Rosenwinkel, 
and again like top you know i'm, I'm just gonna like i'll just name just three of my faves um yeah coltrane um kurt rosenwinkel um man it's it's just like so hard give to us remember. a rundown on rosenwinkel for people who don't know because i haven't heard that name i want to know what, uh he's just an incredible guitar player jazz guitar player okay yeah um just super musical um and then uh i don't know like let's say like keith jarrett piano oh okay. yeah nice <laughs> What about Those just three, like you know, like <laughs> in terms of a top or ranking system? I mean, they're, they're I know the ranking system. I hate doing yeah, that. Yeah. After I said it, I was like, God, three damn. amazing musicians that come to mind. And yeah, well, no, I think you just mentioned like three. You didn't? Did you say give? Did you say top, Joel? It, I'm. I mean, yeah, probably. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's just gonna... give three people three examples. That's it. Well, I can tell. Like, I mean, with you, I mean, diving into more. So with thrash and stuff are you guys you guys fucking with many like odd time signatures and stuff or are you guys doing more of that with thrash and death metal like is that like because to me thrash was always like it was like very four forward you know it was like very just like easy for people to grasp and just like moss you but are you trying to throw more like you probably already have and this is a dumb question but um as far as like the odd time signatures and stuff like that or is that something that you're pushing more in thrash or or in death metal or is it something that's kind of like that's something that you're maybe gonna do in the future? What do you think, Anthony? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, we 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 certainly have used a lot of odd time meter over the course of our career, and I'm sure we'll continue to do that. Sick. Yeah, I'm out of questions. So <laughs> I read this. No, that was a, man. I, I could nerd out with, like gear with you because as far as like your guitars and stuff like that, and watching you over the years. And seeing you progress and all that stuff it's been it's been fucking awesome man and it's one of those kind of i mean i could tell the fact that i read today you went to berkeley i'm like of course he did that's he is like a he has all the knowledge and, and stuff and working yeah, yeah. with like other musicians and stuff especially with uh working with uh gorguts uh luke may like he is he's pretty theoried out yeah. too right well, but he's yeah, got he, like he a weird cool composition yeah that's right that's right yeah so like how do you do you work with other people that aren't theory based and then have to work with them with metal? And how how do you go about like going like writing a song or, or jamming with them? Like, do you write theory based or do you write more like just kind of like, oh, this riff is sick and then kind of like build off of it, kind of like with like a building blocks of theory behind it, but not like built in like a certain yeah. this is in this key point. and like, this is in this. How do you use theory if, if or not in your writing? Um. Well, I mean, I guess to to get to the first part of your question, I mean, it, probably like a, a good amount of people in metal like aren't that versed in theory, um, which is totally mm -hmm. fine. I mean, you know, it, it ultimately, like metal is about attitude and, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, just I don't know, tapping into this like sort of aggressive. Uh, I mean, who who knows where some of these death metal riffs come from? You know, it's 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 like yeah. it comes, it comes it from. Sounds uh, good to you. Then that's like your ear. That's all that. I mean, that's the same as music. it's just theory. If you don't have to have theory to like hear something, it sounds yeah. Cool. So like like when like my bass player doesn't really know like a ton of theory or, or this or that. Yeah. But like I mean, I can communicate to him like what I want. He's like a great player and he's got a good ear and a good sense of rhythm. And that's really all, you know. I mean, I'm like mm -hmm. okay, it's, it's it's these are the notes that I want you to play. You know, he's he's not like you learn totally not versed in theory. Like he'll he can kind of conceptualize certain things certainly, but like. um 
I mean, I, I have more yeah. knowledge of chord scales and like all that kind of stuff than he does, but he can he can play this shit, you know, just fine. So you don't necessarily need to have not everyone doesn't need to know like Berkeley level music yeah, theory yeah. in order to uh, communicate. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that knowing theory does help me communicate and, and also just having taught for such a long time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, if, if I'm working with our drummer, you know, with Ash, I can be like, oh, I want this on like the the and of beat three or something like that. Like shit that right. like just, yeah. you know, no. So um, yeah. I can communicate with him on that level. Um, I mean, with, with, with Luke, when we wrote that song together, there was like no theory that we talked about at all. It was just like, okay, mm -hmm. here's this riff and like, you know, here's how it's to play it. Wide. I mean, and stuff back and forth. And I think a lot of the stuff with theory is like, for me, it's like, I, I have a good, um, you know, I've, I've got a pretty good wealth of knowledge when it comes to, to theory. I mean, obviously there's stuff out there that I, that I don't know. Um, but I don't really think about theory too much when I write, I guess the ultimate thing, it's just like with technique, right? You want to like, get it so that you don't think about it when you're playing so that to me is where the real like magic of music theory comes in is like you you mm. think about it and you think about it you think about it and then it becomes part of your memory and then it just kind of like fades into the background like i'll give like a quick yeah. uh, like example um chick korea who's a, another great jazz piano player said this um he's given like a clinic and someone asked him like oh how do you like learn tunes um and he goes i don't learn tunes i know tunes and he's like, he's like, there's a certain uh, like thing with like memory. Like when you say like, oh, do you have your name memorized or do you know your name? And like, everyone's like, oh, I know my name. And he's like, exactly. Like memory still implies there's like a recall thing there. Whereas like knowing something, it's just like, you just, it's just mm -hmm. like, you don't even have to think about it at all. It's just, it's just wow. there. Like, you know, your phone number, you know, your address or whatever. So, yeah. um, you know, that was really inspiring to me to like get to that level with, um, and he was talking about it in regards to like playing, you know, jazz standards and stuff like that. Um, and, but to me, like you could kind of apply that to a lot of things in music, um, such as like, I don't know if you work on a, like a scale, you know, if, if you have to sort of think about what the notes in the scale are, maybe you could play it, but maybe you're not, maybe it's not going to kind of creep into your music in more of like a natural way. Whereas like, if you just have something like really ingrained in you, mm -hmm. then you're going to be able to be musical with it and it's going to start to come mm -hmm. out and you're not going to think like, Oh, I wrote a riff that's yeah. Lydian flat seven or whatever. Yeah. Like it's it, knowing it, like, a it language Lydian flat seven, but yeah. yeah. Like, Cause that's happened to me a ton of times where I've written something and someone has been like, Oh yeah. Like what key is that in or what, or, or what is that? And then I have to like go back and analyze it after the fact. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, it's, it's, it's a diminished riff or something like that. When, when I wasn't thinking about that at all, so yeah. that's the kind of the cool thing that happens with music theory is it's like you uh, just yeah. like one other quick uh, thing to mention, like Ben Monder, another amazing jazz guitar player. He talked about theory in an interview once. Um, and he said like to him, the purpose of music theory is actually really more ear training. So yeah, it's like it's to train say, yeah. your ear to hear things that you didn't normally yeah. kind of know were out there. And then that becomes yep. part of your vocabulary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I was just thinking of that. And I was kind of like, you know, like it kind of seems like the whole thing, like, like theory helps you to like analyze music, you know, like to like, I mean, obviously, but like it, it helps you to like hear something and be able to like put it in a time signature and be like, these are the beats and da, 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 and like, you know, map it out and stuff. But it's kind of like after the fact, like it, it doesn't necessarily like need to be there for the creative process. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it, it could be. I mean, I could sit down and yeah. say, okay, I'm going yeah. to write a could, song using this using, weird yeah. scale because I've never written something with this scale before and like make a point to yeah. do it. And that's, and that's fine too. Um, but it's just the majority of like the riffs that I write, even to this day, it's still pretty much the same process as when I was 16 years old, which is like, I just sit with the guitar. Yeah. I just like fuck around until like stuff comes out. And I, I would hope that like the stuff that I'm playing now is, I don't know, you know, better or, you know, more musical. Um, but again, I guess it's in the ear of the beholder, right? Maybe fans of revocation like our first record the most, because maybe I was just tapped into something, you know, a different mindset when I was, Right, you yeah. know, 17, 18 writing those riffs than I am at, at like 36. But um, I think my music compositionally um, and just, just kind of overall has 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 gotten better um, with time. And that's just kind of what I what I strive to do. So whether it's learning theory or, you know, working my technique or any of the components that, you know, make me the musician that I am and that I'm striving to continue to become, um, I, I guess I try not to think about all that other stuff when I go into the actual like writing and composing of something, it's, it's more just like, I'm trying to like play from the heart and just allow all those other concepts almost just kind of treat them like colors, like on a color palette and just like yeah. kind of let them inform me in a subconscious yeah. way. There's how to tools, yeah, yeah. Put tools my, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. How to put myself. So for you, there. maybe like, like solos, maybe it might be theory based or like a theory behind, but like the riff and the song, it's probably like just kind of comes out of you and you're not like, oh, it's Lydian. Well, you're, you're not trying to figure that out, but it sounds good, right? Um, well, yeah, that's that would be a good example of like maybe where like theory comes into play, like where like I'll write a riff or like let's say like I'm doing like a like I'm doing a guest solo for this project or whatever. Like mm. I didn't write the, the, the riff, right? So I didn't. Yeah, you know, I'm not consciously aware of like where things are going or subconsciously aware of it. Um, so I have to like kind of decipher it and go through it and you know, figure out like, okay, what are the chords here? Like, or what are the implied chords? Like if it's, if it's, a, if, are there actual chords that are happening or if it's a riff, like, what is this, what does this imply? Um, and then kind of figure out from there, maybe it's just one tonality. Maybe the key changes a few times and mm -hmm. uh, may, maybe the, maybe it's ambiguous and like one riff could be multiple scales. And at that point I have the ability to kind of, you know, choose, but I guess sort of the analytical part kind of, ends there like once i have like my my roadmap then from there i'm just like i'm just trying to like play and improvise and see what comes out and, and you know take take chances too and um throw in some maybe things that are not part of the scale just to see how they sound yeah mm -hmm. fuck yeah super stuck oh, on that. yeah for sure good uh, stuff well Sorry, i dude. mean should we Oh, let's, dude, this is one thing that we haven't talked on real quick. I know it's getting late for you, Dave, but I want to talk on this a little bit because, you know, we all uh, experienced it through, um, you know, all the news about it. And I want to know uh, a little bit about your experience and what you saw in uh, the tragedy that happened on your recent run with... Uh, Morbid angel. angel. Oh shit! You were on that tour. Uh, the tornado. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, that was just like it's just really terrible. It's um very terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really like talking about it. It was it's pretty fucked okay. up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That was. I'm bit. sorry about that. Then uh, yeah. we'll just move on from that. Then uh, but yeah, dude. So what's what's uh in the near future for 
revocation. What do you got going? What's what's bubbling up right now that you can talk about? Um, I'm not really sure. Like, I, I think we have some plans to do some stuff like in the fall or winter. It it, it seems like the um seems like the summertime is pretty much open for us right now, but things can always change. You know, you get like a phone call from your manager. It's like, Oh, you know, so-and-so wants to take you out on tour. So, um, as it stands now, um, pretty much I think the summer is offered, which is great. Cause, uh, I'm working on writing the next gargoyle record, um, with, uh, with our drummer, James and, and, and Luke, two of the members are up in Canada. So we're just kind of going demos back and forth, um, on that. So hopefully sometime in the, in the fall, we'll record new gargoyle record once we get that written and then like i said I, I think we have some plans it's either like later fall or maybe maybe winter time to uh to do some more touring there's some there's some different like markets that we don't normally get to to hit um mm -hmm. that are that are kind of in the mix right now so i don't want to say too much about that because like there's like just like a lot of moving parts there as you can imagine when you're playing shows and right uh, different parts of the world you're trying to like string together dates like if one thing falls through like it kind of fucks everything so mm -hmm. um that's kind of the goal is to hopefully um you know kind of close out the nether heaven tour cycle with like a little bit of like a world tour thing where we can you know hit some some markets that we don't get to go to that often. are you guys trying to hit any fest in a uh, europe fest or anything uh this summer no we're not doing any fest in europe no okay Okay. Yeah. yeah. It seems like uh I mean, what do you think about doing those fests? It seems like kind of like a cluster fuck. I mean, there obviously there's a ton of people to play, but it seems like with the amount of bands, like I almost went to flood to Hellfest last year and I was like last second decided not to, but I just looked, I'm like, every band's playing. Like how does <laughs> how does the logistics of a fucking festival have like like two hundred bands playing? Like, do you what do you think about doing those festivals those big ass festivals is that like a more i mean obviously you get to play for a lot of people but what's your perception going into like a a hellfest or a vodka or something like that and 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 playing those uh i mean they're they're definitely intense but i mean it, yeah it's great we've, we've we've done hellfest before and summer breeze and a lot of those big festivals um they're they're fucking they're a blast but they're they're definitely uh yeah they're they're logistically tough, you know, you're, you're playing mm -hmm. like, I, I mean, I'm sure if you're like headlining and I'm like that, like you get to like have a soundtrack and all that stuff. But like, you know, it's kind of like a throw and go. You're not, you're not usually playing on your own gear. It's almost always like rented stuff. So that's like, that's actually where like having like a fractal or a camper would come in great on like festival shit. Mm -hmm. um, right. Right. But um, cause like, oh man, the amount of times I've like had to like use like, you know, an amp and I had like a busted foot switch or some bullshit like that. And you just kind of have to like right. roll with it um you know it's tough and you're you're playing like at like two or three in the afternoon so it's not like you're totally totally like um i don't know kind of out of whack with your normal show schedule and oftentimes yeah. when you're doing those fests um they're kind of peppered in with like other you know kind of one-off shows here and there just to kind of get to the next because because the festivals are usually always like they're like friday saturday sunday mm -hmm. so it's like all right what the fuck do you do for like the rest of the week so normally like you'll put together some type of package um actually that was i think that was one of the first I think that was where i met luke not like met him for the first time but that was like the first time we toured together i'm pretty sure that was a wild lineup it was like converge gorguts us and havoc and Damn. like gorguts havoc and revocation just like 
rotated slots every night and then like converged like with headline. So it was like a wow. but that was like that kind of weird mishmash lineup that you're only gonna get because it's festival season and because bands yeah, yeah. get from point A to point B. Um so yeah, it's it's weird kind of going from like club shows one night where you're playing in front of like you know a few hundred people to festival and it's like yeah ten thousand people and you're like it's just a totally different environment. So it's mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely crazy to kind of acclimate to, but I don't know. There's something about those huge crowds and that reaction that you get from people. That's um, it's really something special. Totally. That's the ultimate test is like being thrown in front of the most people. And they're like, "Hey, dude, there's a Marshall JCM 2000 with a broken foot switch, <laughs> and like, you want to play? You want to play?" And the most people the ever... <laughs> no, that's how it goes. <laughs> it's like you, the most people you ever play in front of. It's like, check this fucking. I got a a mode four is yeah. going to be your no, your no fucking amount of tone wood can can save you that, dude. <laughs> exactly. It's like get this fucking get your music to everyone, but it's like I I have to learn like right before we go on. Okay, this is okay. This does what? Look, all right, I guess this is the clean. I think right. All right, let's go. It's like, it's so like having to like troubleshoot it. Like, yeah, like while like everyone's there, it's not like you got like it's not like doors aren't yeah. open. You can kind of figure it out. It's like you got like just some like crazy drunk dude screaming at you in the front row, and you're just like, fuck. <laughs> holding up a random uh, country's flag, just going, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's a trial by fire, and um, but you know, yeah. everyone's there to have a good time, and um. You know, that's what keeps the you good thing is okay like once it's done like you get like the rest of the day to just like hang out at the festival and just, like, oh yeah oh, that that release is great dude yeah it's like a free After trip done i mean kind yeah. of you know yeah definitely well fuck i know it's late over there dave thanks for fucking hanging out man let's fucking got a lot of cool stuff out of you a lot of the gear nerd shit that i want to get out of you i i got it Hell i yeah. love it <laughs> thanks and, so much uh, for having coupon me code. i really appreciate it yeah, I'm gonna send you my coupon or my email for the coupon code for that guitar. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah, dude. Dave, you're right, dude. Dude, let's stay in Fuck touch yeah. for sure, dude. Oh yeah, 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 man. Fuck yeah. I, I had like a blast, like just like nerding out and like talking about fucking totally, dude. Real yeah. technical death metal. Like I was 16 year, years old. Again, That's thanks, kind of what we're a lot of guys you could like, you know, really go in <laughs> in depth on like the. uh the side projects of the side projects of like the theory and practice <laughs> guy. So I appreciate yeah, dude, it. Mutant dude, that mutant to... I had that mutant album, dude. From, it's fucking yeah. sick, dude. It's sick. I remember that. I, I remember like, that like crazy cover with like the like weird alien oh, thing on it. Oh, I totally remember that, dude. That's yeah. insane. I haven't heard anyone mention that for 10, 15 years. That's insane. Fuck I'm a yeah, pretty man. big nerd. Yeah, dude. This is where <laughs> you can nerd out on that shit. That's why we do the show, so we can still nerd out on the shit that we used to nerd out on. Hell yeah. It started with COVID, the whole pandemic. We're like, oh, how are we gonna hang out? And this is kind of where it's brought us is just nerding out with everyone. So yeah, yeah. 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 thanks again, guys. Really appreciate it. Hell yeah, yeah. Dude. All right, let's thanks, let's dude. wrap up with the plugs one more time, real quick. Battleforgecoffee.com. Go buy your coffee there, the homies. CaliDeathPodcast.BigCartel.com is where you're going to support the show <laughs> and uh, catch the professor on his tour. <laughs> that, I thought the, the flyer was going to pop up, but no, that was just me. <laughs> Casey's clicking, clicking all yeah, the buttons. No, this is what he did in the beginning of the last one. He just threw it all. He just blew his whole load in the beginning. <laughs> uh, yeah, professor is going to be in Minneapolis tomorrow night tomorrow 
or tonight right. if you're watching it this on Friday. All right, uh, Dave, revocation plugs one more time. Yeah, uh, revocation. If you're looking for merch, night shift um, or Empiricon if you're in Europe. Obviously, Metal Blade. They've got our records and stuff. Um, you know, we talked a lot of guitar nerd shit today. So if you want revocation Jackson. tabs, you can get those from Sheet Happens. Um, they have pretty much like all of our records like tabbed out like note for note. And I like you teach lessons too, though, by the way. I, do, you yeah, yeah. I also teach lessons. Yeah. You can contact me through Dave Davidson guitar.com. Um, my other band Gargoyle. Check that out. Um, definitely departure from revocation. But um, if you like, uh, I don't know, weird avant-garde prog rock, you might dig that. Mm. And um, the palette bail thing. I think there's like, I don't know, it's probably under like 50 copies of the vinyl left at this point. But um, if you want some super limited vinyl, seven inch. Check out Total Dissonance Worship for that. Boom. Fuck yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Well, dude, Thanks I had a really on. good time tonight, guys. And uh, are we raiding anybody? Yeah, I got it. Boom. All right. Oh. Uh, Joel's going to send uh, you guys to a mysterious place because he's not saying where. <laughs> <laughs> where? And <laughs> Is done. That... All right. And done. All right. Love you guys. We'll see you guys next week. And rock on. All right. Peace.